0: Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them.
1: I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. Happy birthday to us. I know. This is our third birthday, which is scary.
0: Yeah, because I remember recording our second birthday like two weeks ago, so.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right? We, we, We covered the amazing Goosebumps, the musical.
0: Yeah. And
1: that feels like no time has passed. At all.
0: I thought, for this birthday, we should travel back in time to a very classic musical.
1: And a, like, iconic musical as well. Mm -hmm. Because we wouldn't cover it usually, because I've seen this musical. Eons ago. Like, when we started dating. Yeah. So, yeah, eons ago. And
0: not even the whole thing. I think it was just on telly, wasn't it? No, we watched the whole thing.
1: We watched the whole thing. I'm pretty certain. I was like, I'd never seen it, and you were like, we need to watch it. I was like... Yeah, but then we can't ever potentially podcast about it because we, we talked about doing the podcast. and You're like, you need to watch this. That's probably
0: how we got onto this. Is that I was like, you haven't seen The Sound of Music? Have you seen this? And you're like, no. And I was like, have you seen this musical? No. And I was like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> uh
1: oh. <laughs> I shall have to break up with you. <laughs> I'm dating a man who doesn't like musicals. <laughs> So,
0: and clearly the answer for all of those of you out there who are dating somebody who's not into musicals, um, you can convert them. So that's good.
1: Well, I'm going to start off. Usually I would talk about people's like comments later on, mm-hmm. but I do want to start off with like a congratulations to friend of the podcast, Elena,
0: Elena, who
1: is engaged. That's
0: so exciting. And,
1: it, you know, like absolutely amazing news. Um, we were mid d d session and I was just taking a quick break at the time and mm-hmm. I was like, look at this news. But um, I'll get Elena's comments more towards the end on Mm -hmm. Sound of Music um, on her vintage Broadway 19. But she did leave us this. All of this to say, this musical is very near and dear to my heart. My fiancé has never seen it. And I think it might be first on our watch list. Very nice. So Elena is currently going through the same thing as you. And, you know, it might be that, (laughs) you know, there's alarm bells (laughs) if he doesn't enjoy The Sound of Music
0: Ooh. this is a good
1: barometer <laughs> test because I think
0: but who doesn't enjoy The Sound of Music
1: the thing is with this one and I remember a, a little bit of it I don't remember it so much because I've only watched it once
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's one of those that it goes like a really unexpected way yes because you know there's all the wartime stuff like early wartime stuff but you wonder if it's just like that's happening but it's inconsequential
0: background yeah and
1: then like it completely transforms itself into like a war movie and you're like oh Mm -hmm. my days and i knew a lot about this one going into it anyway because i think this is seth mcfarlane's favorite musical ever because of the amount of like family guy references yes uh I remember being surprised the first time I watched it and they did the so long, farewell, Alfida saying goodbye. And uh Liesel goes, I'd like to stay and taste my first champagne. Yes. <laughs> no. Cause that I remember in like early Family Guy, and it was one of those first like moments of like, oh, they've just stolen this completely. But even then I was surprised that
0: yeah, I it was the think first
1: champagne as well.
0: It's really weird with Family Guy because the obviously Seth MacFarlane a big musical
1: person and very talented vocals.
0: Yeah, he did a good job. I always thought he would have been good casting for the Music Man. I don't know why they put Hugh Jackman in it, but Seth MacFarlane would have been really good. I because... think
1: Seth MacFarlane is is too busy. Not that Hugh yeah, Jackman yeah, isn't, but... but I think. He has a lot more commitments than maybe Hugh Jackman has.
0: Or has less choice over his commitments. Yeah. But like I say, you know, we've seen him perform things before, but Family Guy, the audience that they are trying to attract is not your average theatre-goer audience. So the fact that they could drop all these references in, especially like Little Shop of Horrors is a big yeah. one, Sound of Music, Rodgers and Hammerstein's just generally... Is something that gets yeah. dropped in all the time. And There's some you, Annie
1: references as well.
0: Which I think everyone everyone has seen Annie as There some was point the whiz,
1: which is very weird.
0: Yeah, but if you aren't a musical theatre person, some of these references are just gonna slide right by. But that's you. one of the
1: things I love about this podcast is like these jokes. I either prefer the jokes that I didn't get originally or I like them even more. You know, the whole bag of weed just basically being me old bamboo, me old bamboo is yes. brilliant and this one that was show-
0: fun when we watched that
1: i i did show you after the fact i think when we first watched sound of music like family guy parodies of it mm-hmm. you know and it, it, and and they are very like loving towards it it's nothing that i think is malicious towards it there's a lot of love towards it
0: yeah
1: um family uh, guy isn't the only thing that i was aware of there's the great joke in like an early simpsons episode where bart gets an elephant and the elephant goes on a rampage And it goes into like these tar pits and it knocks down like a fake deer and Homer goes, Doll. And Marge goes, a deer. And Lisa shouts, a female deer, which I thought was brilliant. And then, you know, realised it came from this.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So Sound of Music, I think, is one of those like... It's pretty
0: ingrained culturally.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those like amazing musicals that you're hard pressed to find somebody who has seen it that doesn't like it. Mm hmm. So very excited to go and revisit this one. I know that we tried to watch The Sound of Music live a few years ago, and we had um, Vampire Bill as uh, Captain von Trapp.
0: Yeah, and um,
1: I can't remember who played uh, Maria.
0: I know who it is. She sings before he cheats.
1: I don't know what Before He Cheats is from. Carrie Underwood oh, is who it was. Car- oh, and she was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, she was very good, wasn't she?
0: She's a, she was a really good singer. She's not the best actress, but... No. Did
1: Maria they also do a, do a... In the in England on the BBC, the Andrew Lloyd Webber shows was How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria? Yes. And is that the one where...
0: Connie was the winner. I don't remember what her surname was.
1: no. But, but she was the one that I wanted to win. Was that also so? I know that you had somewhere over the rainbow where they went off on a rainbow singing, like, Someday I'll wish upon a star, like through t- floods of yeah, tears. Yeah,
0: when you lost on Maria, you had to do so long farewell and oh, you got, like, booted that's off. That's
1: even better. Did the rest of the group, like, do the booting off?
0: Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to have to
1: re watch those shows. I've heard rumours that they're doing another.
0: Yes, I have
1: two. One for BBC. And if we do, I guess we'll have to do like a weekly... Watch along. Watch oh along. God, so weird. Yeah, but I do think there's there's more room for that. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's what musical theatre needs right now is that encouragement from BBC to get behind a personality and then go to the theatre just to cheer them on. Because so there's been a lot of discourse in the UK this week about the issues with the bodyguard in Manchester and people singing along. And those of you who've listened to us now for 139 episodes will know that we're fully behind the you go and you're a respectful audience. Yeah. You know, we talked about extensively with Heather's last month that unless it's builders that sort of thing, you shouldn't be doing this. And unless
0: you're seeing Rocky Horror. Shut, shut
1: up. up. Yeah, that, that's it. Like <laughs> Rocky Horror, I think everybody goes to it and expects it. But even then they're not singing along to Rocky Horror until the end.
0: You're encouraged to sing along, but uh, But again, it's like I I just I don't understand, right? Performers get paid Mm -hmm. to perform, right? That is what they're getting paid to do, and we pay money to go and sit and watch them do that thing.
1: We're not going to a concert.
0: No, and if you wanted to go and sing along, go to one of the sing along movies. Like yeah. go to Greece Sing Along or Hairspray Sing along yeah. like go to that. Yeah, if that's the what you Prince Charles do. Cinema
1: does a lot of those events, which is really great. But yeah. it's different with a concert as well because the the mics are rigged to be louder.
0: Yeah. Than a whole concert hall worth of people exactly. singing. But I just don't understand. I just think it's so disrespectful, not even just to the performers, which obviously it is. But to have the lack of awareness that everybody around you has also paid money to be here and you don't know where that money's come from. Yeah. This could be their entire savings to see this particular show because yeah. it's
1: what they want to see. It could be they've saved so hard for their child's birthday. Yeah. To get them tickets to this show. Right? Or for their mum's birthday mm-hmm. to get them tickets. You don't know the circumstance. And you might be sat there because I've seen it where some of the tickets on the same aisles are cheaper than others because you've gone via today ticks. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I it it really is disrespectful and There is no place for it. There's absolutely no place for it unless it is specified as a sing-along show, Mm. which no tour is going to be, unless it's the Rocky Horror.
0: But yeah, pretty much. And pretty much, I would say, every single live show we have seen since doing this podcast has had lines at the beginning where they always tell you to turn your phone off, and then they say something like... Please don't... You'll have
1: a chance to sing at the end. Yeah. Or...
0: No video of filming till the finale. Get up and dance. That kind of thing. Like, And it's obviously encouraged because we want everyone to be having a good time. I don't understand. The other thing is, this has gone off onto such a tangent, but we've seen two Pantos yeah. in the last couple of years. At no point in any of those Pantos did anyone in the audience sing along despite it being very culturally accepted, Mm. that we shout out during Pantos, we join in. But nobody sings over the performers.
1: Yeah.
0: So why is it acceptable to go to a theatre in London where you have paid, not even in London, like any theatre where you've paid big money to go and see these performers, these specific performers, and sing over them? And it's definitely more
1: of an issue outside of Heather's. With jukebox musicals, where you're going along and very, you know, like, and especially like when we saw the Share Show, huge deal with that one about do not sing along. You know, there is there are only three shares and they're on stage.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It's more of an issue with jukebox musicals, which I do think is going to have bigger effects moving forward with conversations about do we tour these, do we put these on anymore.
0: Mm
1: You know, we... And and this is great. Obviously, like, BBC doing a show, like, find a new cast member for this will be fantastic because it will raise the platform of musical theatre. But at the same point in time, it's going to raise it to a point that possibly it's the, you know, wrong audiences. We we spoke quite a bit with our Bat Out of Hell episode about how surprised we were by how good the audience was.
0: Considering the type of music, yeah.
1: But then... Bat out of hell. Now it's at the Peacock Theatre uh, in London. That's one of the shows that's been affected by it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it it it's, these jukebox musicals. I think is, is is an issue
0: because people think they have a right to the songs.
1: Yeah, because it's songs they know. Like Six was great. Six in concert, and I think that was a very respectful crowd that could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it could have. And and you have the final song for the mega mix a six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're off on a tangent, but it's the first chance we've had to really talk about this this issue. And you know, if you're going to a theatre, you must be respectful of the people around you. Mm. I don't care why you've gone to see it. If you've gone drunk for a hen party, for a stag do, you're not the performer. So don't usurp it. If you want to do that, go to a karaoke bar. There are plenty of them in London. Mm. Sound of music. Yes, indeed. Back on topic. Um, where does this come in, in terms of Julie Andrews' career? Is she Mary Poppins at this point in time? Is she going from nanny one nanny role to another nanny role? Is this... Like a very formative musical for her. I know that she's obviously excelled on stage at this point in time. She's done uh possibly Cinderella, the Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, mm-hmm. and she's possibly done uh, My Fair Lady on stage at this point in time. But is this, or it, it, this could be pre My Fair Lady, or this could be post? Um, My Fair Lady and Mary Poppins. So,
0: Julie Andrews had already done My Fair Lady, because that is where she was seen to be Mary Poppins. While Disney came and said to her at a performance that she did of My Fair Lady that they wanted her for Mary Poppins. She was pregnant at the time.
1: And that's why she's not um, in the My Fair Lady film, is because she's already committed to doing... Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Yes.
0: Then we have... a movie that she did also in 1964, same year as Mary Poppins, called The Americanization of Emily, where she played the lead role.
1: Musical or just a straight...
0: Not a clue, I've never heard of it. Uh, And then... The Sound of Music in 1965. Now, The Sound of Music opened on Broadway in 1959, was up for the 1960 Tony Award year with Mary Martin, who you will potentially remember as being the original Peter Pan. Yes. In that version of the musical.
1: Oh, never grow up.
0: Pretty good, actually, in The Sound of Music. Not like pretty... I mean, she won a Tony Award for it. But I didn't really like her in Peter Pan.
1: (laughs) But maybe it's just different.
0: It's a very different. Did you see first Kathy
1: Rigby or her
0: Mary Martin? Oh, okay. I just like Kathy Rigby's physicality. But even before then,
1: you didn't really like Mary Martin's Peter Pan. No, that's MMPP.
0: Yeah, it's really hard to say all of these words. But it pretty did really well. It swept the Tony Awards. It was nominated for ten awards. And it won three. Cool. Straight out Best Musical, Leading Actress in a Musical and Featured Actress in a Musical. And then it also won... Who's the
1: featured actress in this? Is that a Liesel? Yes.
0: It also won Conductor and Scenic Design.
1: Can Imagine Scenic Design for this would have to be really spot on because you've got Mm -hmm. a lot.
0: Yes. Did not win... Featured actor, which I think is really interesting.
1: Who originally played Von Trapp?
0: Theodore Bikel. You had Patricia newway is actually who won for best supporting Mother Superior. Okay. And then Max and the Captain were both nominated for best supporting male. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Obviously. Max has a little bit more to do in the stage show.
1: Than he does in the film.
0: Yeah, but it's still... He's not the same, like... You know, he's B-cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know?
1: He's, yeah. He doesn't
0: show up until nearly the end of Act 1. Yeah. Let alone do much in Act 1. He's no. just sort of there. And he
1: doesn't really do much in Act 2 as well. He's like MacGuffin say, he Max, more. really. <laughs> he is
0: MacGuffin Max. He has more to do in the second act. But... This did really, really well. One of the things that a lot of people noticed about this was that it is very similar to another Rodgers and Hammerstein musical uh, that is called The King and I.
1: Which we have not seen. However, I know that you've got, um, is it Anna? Yeah. And she starts off as a servant to the King of Siam. And
0: governor. She's not
1: a servant. Okay, but essentially starts working for his employee. He's got multiple wives. Yeah. But she becomes his favourite, and they get married. No. Oh, she... Well,
0: it depends what version you watch. So there's Anna and the King, which is the film supposedly based off of the true story yeah. of this woman. But she
1: leaves at the end, I think, doesn't she?
0: It depends, again, which version you're watching. But the the Rodgers and Hammerstein story is English woman, because
1: <laughs> Julie Andrews. Or uh, she and King and I as well.
0: No, Julie Andrews, obviously, in The Sound of Music, is doing her lovely English accent, because yes. we're not, none of us are going to try an Austrian accent, apparently, for this film. Um, but, you know, you have woman who gets employed as governess, fish-out-of-water storyline, mm-hmm. uh, to multiple children, teaches them all how to love themselves and to actually act like children whilst having a complex relationship with their father and overcoming adversity. And it's pretty much the same. Like, there are a lot of similarities between some of the songs where they fall specifically more than how they sound. So, like, getting to know you and... My favorite things sort yes. of fall at the same kind of point in these shows, but then I think that would be true for all Rodgers and Hammerstein. They they they're very formulaic. Yeah, they have
1: they have a system that works. They're not going to deviate much from it.
0: Mm-hmm. They both have the ballet sequence, which yep. in uh, The King and I is Uncle Tom's Cabin, and in The Sound of Music is the Lonely Goat herd. Which I think is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how we've ended up with the ballet in this one. But... Yeah. So this
1: quickly then goes about becoming a film. Did you say it was 1959? hmm 1959. That is not... It's not the year, but I always want to say years like that now because mm-hmm. of Percy Jackson. <laughs> and then 1965, the film comes out. So presumably it'll have been in production maybe from like 61. Mm-hmm you know give it enough time to get the script because it's I, I remember from watching the credits as well that it's it's got somebody else's written the script so it's been rewritten to an extent for film
0: yeah so in 1956 paramount pictures oh. purchased the film rights cool. to maria's story
1: because this is based on a true story as well isn't it
0: yes Ma- maria von trapp previously maria Rainer, she wrote a memoir called The Story of the Trap Family Singers basically covering everything that is in the film and a lot more. Yeah. There are significant changes. Uh, yeah. in, the, in the 50s, Hollywood producers expressed an interest in just purchasing the title yeah. and being able to do whatever they wanted with the story. And she was like, no, yeah. <laughs> like, it's my life. You can't just make this stuff up, which I think is fair enough. Mm-hmm. And then in 1956, Paramount Pictures bought the film rights and they intended to make a version of that film. The, yeah. Because there was a German version of it that had come out. With Audrey Hepburn playing Maria, wasn't going to be a musical. It was just going to be a straight film. There were going to be some songs because obviously the the singers. But
1: but it wasn't a full fledged musical. It was more biopic.
0: Mm. The studio dropped it as an option. They decided they wanted to do other things. But one of the directors, Vincent Donahue, proposed that hey, maybe we should do this as a stage musical with Mary Martin because similar playing playing types. They then obviously got the rights and went on to make the stage musical. Rodgers and Hammerstein were only supposed to compose one song for the show. It was going to be a compilation. Oh, so similar
1: to Spongebob musical. Yeah, and then they wrote like 10 songs. (laughs) I've just compared this to the Spongebob musical.
0: Looks exactly the same. They have
1: mountains, don't they, in the Spongebob musical? They offered to
0: write the entire score for this musical if the producers were then willing to let them put flower drum song on the back burner which was one of their other shows yeah uh, opened on broadway in november of 1959 and it ran for 1443 performances nice and then in 1960 20th century fox purchased the stage rights for one and a quarter million dollars
1: which is a lot
0: Yep, which is uh over 11 million dollars today uh and then they got started initially they wanted mary martin they thought about having her um come in to do it but ernest lehman who wrote the screenplay uh of adapting it, said that he would take his script and walk if they didn't cast Julie Andrews, which I think is fair enough. It's a
1: very bold conviction. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's obviously a shame for Mary Martin who originated the role and did such a good job with it to kind of be dropped for someone else. But I guess, you know, the difference is he's thinking from maybe the film perspective as well and recognises that Julie Andrews, who did she win an Oscar for Mary Poppins? Yes.
0: Because Sound of Music didn't win, not Sound of Music.
1: My Fair Lady didn't win Oscar. Yeah, and we, I remember kind of being like, oh, the iPod. It was like kind of a like, joke, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so is a more bankable name, really, and you do have to weigh that up, don't you, sometimes? Is, you know, yes, we could cast this fantastic. It's the same issue that you got with the voice actors nowadays, isn't it? It's like, you know, oh, we'll cast Hollywood stars who aren't professional voice actors, but potentially it makes us more money. It's the same in musicals. Could you just hire the stage actors who mm. have done this so well, but who's going to put more butts in seats? Yeah, which you is done. It, no, it is, and it's you can see the merit of it, but something like, I don't know, something like Wicked. Everyone knows about Wicked. You could easily cast.
0: Well, which is why we have Cynthia Erivo. Yes.
1: And that's different. But whereas with something maybe In the Heights, you're selling off Lin-Manuel Miranda's name, which again... Which
0: is why he could basically pick who he wanted yeah, to be in it.
1: Um, and it's a bad example because you had good you know, stage performers on it anyway. But to a casual person who's not aware of who Lin-Manuel Miranda is, it may not mean anything. You know,
0: He's a pretty household name nowadays. Nowadays, yeah. So Robert Wise, who is the director for this, and Lehman went to disney and were like hey can we watch some of the footage for julie andrews performing in mary poppins because we were thinking about her for this other film and disney was like yeah sure go for it and yeah they apparently were just all mates in this day and age and wise about five minutes into watching it turned to lehman and was like we need to sign this girl before anybody sees this film and tries to sign her. They signed her to 20th Century Fox. And Julie Andrews actually had some reservations about this. She said, there's a very famous quote from Julie Andrews where she says she hates the word wholesome because that's how a lot of people described her as a wholesome person. She was like, I don't want to be wholesome. And Maria is very sweet in this. She's... Mary Poppins, but nicer. Mary Poppins is kind of harsh. No,
1: exactly. I was thinking, you know, thinking that like surely this would have had to come first because Mary Poppins is kind of a bit sterner. Mm -hmm. There's still the magic to her, but she's more stoic than Maria.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, she's doing two nanny films this close together. Do you want to be typecast in that kind of role?
1: Yeah, it's only going to make her more wholesome, isn't it? Which...
0: Mm. But she learned that her concerns about Maria's character and the yeah. way that she's portrayed were shared by the director and the writer. So it's... she looked at the script and she agreed to do it. They considered quite a lot of actors to play the captain, though. This we was got harder for Christopher them.
1: Christopher Plummer.
0: Yes, we do have Christopher Plummer, but they considered Bing Crosby, uh, Yul Brynner, Sean Connery and Richard Burton. Sean Connery that would be really funny. <laughs> can um, he sing? I'm sure he can. I feel like he can.
1: I I feel like He's he He's
0: ca- got that kind of voice. I feel
1: like he can, but I also feel like it would have it would have become like Dick Van Dyke jokes about his cockney accent level, you know, as opposed to
0: Sean Connery.
1: Yeah, Sean Connery doing his uh, I I she want to sing the Sound of music. He's Scottish, right? Yes, but he he's 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 known for his like, he's like noises. Yeah. The name Spond. Bond. Yeah. James Spond. I feel like
0: he's Indiana Jones's dad, right? He is,
1: mm-hmm. um, and he's only like three, or he was sorry, only three years older mm-hmm. than um, Harrison Ford. Harrison, my boy. I I feel like his voice would have really detracted, yeah, from the whole show overall. Um, I think Bing Crosby, as great as he is, might have overshadowed it a little bit more. He would probably had more sway Mm -hmm. and we'd have got a very different product, you know, that we'd have had a lot more dance sequences
0: From the captain, 100%. Yeah,
1: and I feel like it would. The the whole. Would
0: have been a bit disingenuous to the character, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think it's one of those cases of like perfect casting. 100% would love to go to a multiverse where one of those two got the role in Sound of Music just to see what a train wreck it is. Well, so
0: when they finally decided on Christopher Plummer, he'd actually turned the role down several times. Yeah. And not just for the film but for the show as well and wise the director had seen christopher Plummer on broadway and eventually just flew to london and was like where he was performing and was like hey you have to come in like you're who i want for this film we've seen other actors but i want you yeah and he accepted on the condition the same as julie andrews that they could work on the character because he said that the version of Captain Von Trapp that he'd seen when he'd seen the show was really boring and not interesting as a character. He, he was pretty two-dimensional, Which basically. Which I
1: talk about a lot when we, we joke about who we play in, in, in shows that we've covered. But you do want a character that you can do something with. And if they're just kind of like mm-hmm. this one-note character, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I mean,
0: they brought in Eleanor Parker to play the Baroness because they wanted a named actress, as Julie Andrews and Plummer weren't really well known to film audiences yes. yet, especially because Mary, Mary Poppins, Poppins isn't I, out yet. Yeah.
1: I, I think this is one of those shows where everything just comes together beautifully and we're mm-hmm. left with, you know, iconic. And I, I think it is just one of those, like, everything just came together brilliantly. Like, you couldn't make mm. it better if you tried. And I think there's a reason as well why it's remained untouched. You know, I've never heard any rumors of a Sound of Music uh like remake. Like it it's perfect film.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh you you never hear people talking about it. So I, I'm intrigued to see if I still think it's perfect watching it back this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, would I have maybe given this podcast a chance if I didn't like The Sound of Music? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really appropriate that we're doing it for our third birthday.
0: Hmm. Fun fact, they consider- considered the Osmonds to play some of the kids.
1: <laughs> well, didn't Marie Osmond play Maria at one point as well? I don't know. It's time to head off to the Alps. Sure. It's a mountain region in Europe.
0: <laughs> yeah. The Swiss Alps.
1: Is it so this is the Alps? Yeah. Okay, cool. It's not the Andes or like
0: I don't know. <laughs> Why would I know that? I don't know. <laughs> it's a geography question. I skip those.
1: Um Let me find out. <laughs> I mean we're after some hills in Europe. They're in Austria. And they want to get to switzerland
0: yeah they climb the alps
1: cool there we go which are the what's the one that hannibal crossed not at the same period and not like hannibal lecter
0: i think it's the andes because you have the whole andes where does he keep his andes up his sleeveys. possibly yeah
1: we're off to the alps where the hills i am assured are alive with The Sound of Music. And we'll be back very shortly after the intermission to talk all about one of the most iconic musicals of all time. Yes, indeed. We will see you very, very shortly.
0: We are back.
1: Yes, we have crossed the Alps. We are safely into Switzerland.
0: Not that they actually did that. Um,
1: Creative license. I know,
0: but while watching this film, I read the actual biography of Maria von Trapp and so much stuff in this film is just made up.
1: What was her opinion of the film? I mean, does she like it or is she like... I know there's the comment about how Julie Andrews, somebody needs to teach her how to yodel.
0: Yes, and there's a really, really good video of Marie of on OnTrack teaching Julie Andrews how to yodel properly. Yeah. And telling Julie Andrews that she's really bad at it, which I think is hilarious. But, and um, she wasn't hugely impressed. She said it made a good musical. Yeah. But that it wasn't anything near the story. The reason that they, they basically didn't have to escape the Nazis because they all had Spanish passports, and you couldn't. The Nazis couldn't arrest the Spanish because of like how the rules were working at that time. Before yeah. they decided would they would do what they want, like a
1: war with the, the yeah. Spaniards.
0: So they they went to Italy, I believe, first, and then over to London, and then eventually ended up in America. But you know. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, I mean, this makes for a more exciting ending. Could you imagine no, if but... they just like get to Spain and that was it? Like,
0: apparently, they did really like hiking in the Alps. That was something that they often took the children to yeah. do.
1: So, yeah. I, I think this is the problem, isn't it? With biopics, uh, and, and this isn't necessarily. It doesn't have, they have anywhere. Like... They
0: have to swap things around to make it a more interesting film.
1: I mean, the difference with this is this doesn't, I think, say anywhere that it's based on a true story. There's no like. In the opening credits, like based on the true story of the Von Trapp family band. Mm-hmm. So there is an element of creative license with it. If it was marketed that way, I feel like it would be much more egregious to be like, this is what happened. You know, because it's retelling of history. Whereas here it's it's very much a fictionalised version. Yeah. So, interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love the opening cinematography to this. It it is iconic, like absolutely, you know, where you get the, the panning across the Alps and it's all quiet. It feels very much like the opening to The Shining in terms of like one of the best openings to a film ever, where you just have like, but obviously different tone completely. Like with The Shining, you've got the really sinister music showing the car going off in the distance. Here you just get all these great shots that culminates with Julie Andrews nearly get, getting taken out by a plane.
0: It's a helicopter and the director is lying in the bushes. You can actually yeah. see where... You can't see him, but you can see where he was hiding. And with a megaphone going, turn, Julie, turn! Which I think is a really hilarious story. Yeah. So we get a lovely opening. We get... The Sound
1: of Music opening song. Which is a great sequence.
0: I really like that this happens before the Overture.
1: I was going to say, have we ever had a musical where the Overture happens after the first song? I can't think of anything else where we've had...
0: I'm sure I can, but not off the top of my head. I feel like that there are others. Because it tends to be... You have the Overture in live shows because Mm -hmm. the orchestra comes in they warm up yeah or the band or you know whoever's in the pit and then you want your audience to be quiet basically so you play your overture and it's usually a collection of all the songs so people who know them can enjoy themselves and people who don't get an idea of the feel of the kind of music and then you go into the opening number usually or something happening yeah I like it being this way round. It's, it's a nice
1: way round, especially to start with your titular song.
0: And an introduction to this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's very much her I Want song.
1: Yes. Yeah. And there's a great bit at the end where she hears the church bells and she has, she runs off and then she returns for her wimple and she's like, oh. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Julie Andrews makes the best noises. <laughs> Just all of her, not even her talking, because she has the most amazing speaking voice. Yeah. But... Just all through this movie, and in some of Mary Poppins, she she just makes a lot of noises, and they're always
1: great. With this overture, does it make it onto your overture playlist? Mm -hmm. The thing with this overture is, you forget how many just amazing songs are in this, but songs that definitely seem to be very much in the public consciousness Hmm. And, like, I remember there was a car advert where they were making a car out of cake. And and it
0: did Favourite Things. Favourite Things. Oh, my gosh.
1: And there's so many of these songs that just, even if you've never heard of The Sound of Music, you'll know these songs. And listening to the overture, you pick up on them so well. You're like, oh, there's Lonely Goat Herd and Favourite Things and
0: I am 16. Well, this is the reason why I suggested this as our birthday film is because I was in the bath. and As you so often are. Yeah, I live in the bath, (laughs) literally. And I was scrolling through a streaming service to try and find a film to watch. And I saw that The Sound Music was on there. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't watched this in ages. Put it on, watched the first song, watched The Overture and was like, oh my God, there are so many good songs in this musical that I just forget, exist. And then I stopped it and texted you and was like, hey, should we maybe watch the Sunday music? Also, it's like three hours long and I would have looked like a raisin by the time it was finished. That's the other
1: thing I forgot is how long this film is. And I think you can possibly condense this, but, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a long one. I... I like how we get, you know, the Salzburg, Austria, the last days of the thirties and, uh, you know. The
0: last golden ages, uh, golden days, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and it's very much you're aware that something's about to go short. So you know at this point, anyone watching is like, okay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right. You know that this is set against the backdrop of the rise of Nazism. And because it's Austria which is where Hitler's from anyway, Mm -hmm. you know it is a very close proximity to Nazi Germany. At this point, it might just be a bit of context. You don't know how much this is going to influence the show. And if you've never seen this before, it might not. But it's a good good reference to have so that when we do suddenly just get like the abruptness of some of the...
0: I think that's the point. It's supposed to feel that way because I'm sure for people at the time, obviously this was building, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure for people, it did feel this way. It was suddenly happening, you know? Yeah,
1: I think it's also quite interesting because this was 1965. Mm -hmm. It's 20 years removed from the war. You know, that's not that. Well, this
0: is one of the things that I was reading about when they were making this film. They filmed in Salzburg yeah. and they liaised with the mayor and said to him, Is this going to cause problems if we film shots of Nazis walking across your square in formation? If we put up flags, mm. like obviously it's a film set and it's a closed set, but people live here. Yeah. We're, we're not that far removed from this actually happening. Is this going to cause a problem? And the mayor was like, you know, we, we survived the war before. It's important that these kind of films get made so people know what was happening.
1: That's it. And it really is, you know, the only way we're going to learn from history and not repeat it is by studying it. And, you know, having films that show us what it was like mm-hmm. are fantastic. But still, this is, this is very recent memory, you know, um, and it, it's almost like you don't expect it to be a topic. You look at when this is released, you're like, OK, so we know when it is, but they, they won't touch it. That's not going to be important. Mm. We are in the uh, Abbey and the nuns are gathering for a morning hymn. It's much more somber than Sister Act. Mm. But we do have uh, Mother Superior, who also has these amazing gloves. I was like, oh, I quite like...
0: Yeah, her, like, rhinestone gloves, right? right?
1: That's where the covent money's going, is on her gloves. Apparently. But Maria's missing, and somebody says that they should put a cowbell on her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? it Was that Marty Nixon? Marnie Nixon? No, she's the voice. So she's not actually that... She is one of the nuns no, in that's, the film. That's what I meant. Not she, that one. No, okay. Because I know that she is in this as a, a nun and we actually see her face for once
0: yes because uh julie andrews quite famously talked about meeting marnie nixon and marnie nixon sort of being on set and yeah. julie andrews ran up to her and was like oh my gosh i'm such a huge fan and marnie nixon was like you're julie andrews what are you talking about
1: <laughs> yeah because she did obviously the real singing for my fair lady <laughs> which is really funny yeah, yeah. so yep. they probably had a good like chat together about good laugh about that I yeah think. It does take us quite well into Maria. There just is a thing about Maria's. What musical is that? West Side Story.
0: Nice.
1: Um, yeah, there seems to be a problem with Maria.
0: Yes. How do we solve a problem like Maria?
1: Uh, she's a wonderful girl. M- most of the time. This <laughs> is a great line from this one. She's she's a lovely person, but a bad nun.
0: Yes. Not even and... a bad... She's not even a nun yet. She's a postulant. Yes.
1: And, you know, they're trying to figure out what do they do because they all seem to like her. They're very split on her. It's like...
0: Well, the one who's complaining about her the most, Sister...
1: Sister Nixon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not Sister Margareta. It's the other one. She says... Maria says later on that every time they have a disagreement, that sister makes her kiss the ground to yes. apologise. So, and she's just, and she's to just started the doing it when she's When she sees her instead, because she was always having a disagreement with her, which that's really funny.
1: But they're like, oh, but she makes us laugh. Oh, but she's not very good at the prayer. Oh, but she does this. Oh, but she's not very good. And they're like... She never
0: stops singing.
1: Yeah. Which
0: apparently isn't allowed inside of the convent, but okay.
1: Fair enough. I, I don't know anything about convents. So I really do like this. It's very good because it establishes she's not... They're not trying to get rid of her because she's a nasty person. She's just not right... That this isn't the right fit for her. She's a headache. Yeah, exactly. But not because she's malicious or anything.
0: Yeah. She... One of the things that Mother Superior brings up is that Maria hasn't actually ever sinned any of the world. Yes. So... She really can't be sure that she must be a nun,
1: no, because she talks about how she just crossed the mountain and she saw it one day and thought this is what I should do, but she didn't really know what that entailed, yeah, was she an orphan like had she like what is her background with her family
0: in this she says that her she used to climb the wall in her back garden yeah. to watch them because she grew up like on the mountainside, so I would assume her parents are still... either still around... Yeah. And she just doesn't hear from them because they never show up, obviously, in this. Or... are dead, I guess.
1: Yeah. I like the bit where she arrives at the end of the song late and she sees them and she just... she knows she's in trouble and she just, like, looks at the camera and leaves. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So she has a meeting with the Reverend Mother and Maria blames the mountain, you know, because it was a sign to join the sisters and reverend mother essentially suggests a gap year
0: Mm. she
1: doesn't outright kick her out but she says to her i don't think you're cut out for this you don't have real world experience i suggest you do this at least until september and then you decide if you truly want to dedicate yourself to this way of life yeah which is i think a really good way at like compromising with all the other nuns being like we're not going to outright fire her but we're going to try and set her up with something she will be good at and she'll enjoy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: however we have to give her an out to come back if necessary yeah and that you know that idea leads to her becoming a governess to seven children Mm -hmm. and we get a great line um, where she's like how would you describe the Von Trapp children difficult why difficult? And she's like, you'll find out.
0: Yeah, basically they've lost like all of their previous governesses. Not lost. I mean,
1: they've, they've
0: freaked out all of their previous governesses.
1: We get, I have confidence in me. And I, I like how this, this song starts like pessimistically, but ends very optimistically. It's kind of like a, stepping out of these walls and i'm like mm. oh i like
0: how julie andrews nearly falls over several times during this but once when they're on the long road outside of the van Von trap house she trips over a stone yeah and then sort of spins around and they just kept it in
1: it's something i noticed with this and maria is the shot composition is so interesting where maria? like with the nuns yeah, oh, mm-hmm. where they just hold the shot on the nuns solidly for ages. Mm-hmm. There's no like cuts. Which, if you watch any film nowadays, like a lot of films, there's a cut every you three cut seconds. cut between
0: angles, yeah, Very... to keep people's attention. And this was
1: held for a long time, and then it pans back as they start moving. And it's the same with this. Mm-hmm. And that cinematography, like I appreciate it so much.
0: But they didn't have steady cams. No. So you would just put your static shot, or you'd be on one of those little tram thingies. Yeah sure they have a name you're the film person it's
1: called a track but I could be wrong Mm -hmm. yeah I I really appreciate not just like because this is a really beautiful film in terms of the locations because this is all shot on location yeah but also just in the the shot composition it's a truly gorgeous film Mm -hmm. like a lot of love went into it and I think that's why it's stood the test of time yeah also this is references to uh well I mean it doesn't have references this this created a reference in Book of Mormon where they have the I believe like that whole sequence is is, is like inspired by this mm-hmm. where she's like I believe and and then it basically is Book of Mormon takes this yeah which yeah, yeah. Very, which very they cool. do
0: with all of their songs they're all meant to be parodies of
1: yes Um, The jumping, dancing down the street is great, even if she nearly falls over. And she arrives at the Von Trapp estate and she's in awe of it. And she meets the the butler and he's just like, oh, hello, I'm I'm here for Von Trapp. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I'm the butler.
0: Yeah, she says, hello, Captain.
1: (laughs) And, you know, she's taken in, she's struck by the size and I'm struck by the beautiful symmetry, you know, in the shot of the house Mm -hmm. it's just gorgeous is is this a real house this is this isn't like a set this is like a real house that they filmed in
0: no it's a real house oh
1: it's gorgeous i
0: don't believe the inside is i think the inside of the house is a set
1: okay fair enough we um have her going to the ballroom and then we get our introduction to the captain Mm -hmm. he's not impressed He's just standing in the doorway and he's like, "Um."
0: I mean, she is a stranger wandering around his house.
1: Yes. And he calls her out. And he's like a really imposing figure at this point as well. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I... scary. I, he is. And I think it's really nice to see his, his growth in how like his edges soften for Maria. Mm-hmm. Even if I think some of the stuff is just very like sudden with his character... It's quite nice. And I, I, I wonder how much of that Christopher Plummer brought to it in terms of, well, this is what I think the character should be.
0: Well, apparently, Christopher Plummer and a translator went to meet a sort of living relative mm-hmm. of uh, Captain Von Trapp and asked to ask about him, ask what he was really like. So that they could give him a bit more character, and the feedback they got was that he was the most boring man this person had ever met. So Christopher Plummer was like, "Okay, guess so I'll show do what I want." accurate then. <laughs> <laughs> I will do what I want, I guess.
1: Yeah, I like the bit where they discuss her dress, and she's like, "He's like, do you not have anything else?" And she's like, "No, um, I give up all my possessions when I when I went into the nunnery." Also, how did you get this? Well, nobody wanted this one. Yeah, the um, poor didn't want this one, and it's like mm-hmm. you know. So he's like, right, I'll I'll see to it that we get some material for you then, and then he says that what this house needs is discipline.
0: Yeah,
1: and her, I love the her, you know sarcasm with yes sir, where she like you know yes sir, as she salutes him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we get the introduction to my favorite character, mm-hmm. the whistle. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And he calls forth all of the children with the whistle. They all come out. Um, I love the way that Brigitte just casually strolls in with a book. Mm -hmm. And he says, right now, I'll take note. Each one of them has a different whistle. And I want you to know all their different whistles and their names like that. And she says she'd rather use their names. Whistles are for dogs and cats and other animals. Mm -hmm. And then he says, were you this much trouble in the abbey?
0: Oh much more
1: so. Yeah, I, yeah, I love. love it so much. Um she, he he does his little whistle and the children will step forward and introduce themselves. Frederick is impossible and Kurt is Friedrich. In, Friedrich, sorry, is impossible and Kurt is incorrigible. And Yeah. Yeah. She then has a go trying to get to know him. she doesn't really it's
0: Martha's birthday in several days and we never cover it.
1: Oh yeah. Poor Marta. I'm
0: going she's... to be six on Tuesday and I want to pink Parathol.
1: I, I like the bit where she's trying to remember the names and they're like, no, this is me. And she's like, no, it."
0: Brigita and Louisa. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Because uh, Julie Andrews was not born yesterday. Mm-hmm. I like the bit where Gretel basically says, Maria, to not listen to the advice because she likes her. Yeah. Which is is nice.
0: However, in this time, Friedrich has put a frog in her pocket.
1: Yes. And you see him do it. There was a snake in my boot. There was a frog in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have the bit as well where she sits on the pine cone at dinner. Yeah. And she blames it on rheumatism instead of the kids. And then she... (laughs) And she makes him cry. Yeah, she does like a proper guilt trip. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if this was the kids faking it to imply that she's really nasty. Yeah. Or if there's just, like, genuine emotion from the kids. Because, Mm. bless them, it's kids who are acting. It's not always the best. And this is one of those moments where I wasn't sure if, if the intention was genuine, like, guilt. At this nice woman who's not selling them out to their father mm-hmm. or just they're going for faux sympathy. No, they're guilty. It's great, though, where she's just like, and I do I do want to say, I really appreciated the the kind present you gave me on my arrival. And it, it put me at ease and made me feel part of the household straight away. And Von Trapp's just like, what on earth are you talking about? We, we don't talk at dinner. I've let you de- say a prayer, but really, that's about it.
0: Liesl makes a very sneaky escape.
1: Yeah, she does.
0: Because they get a... Telegram. telegram.
1: Yeah, we meet our first Nazi. The creepy
0: butler. And we've met our first Nazi, it's the creepy butler.
1: Wow, we meet our first obvious Nazi then. What, because he's blonde? Blonde hair, blue eyed. It's
0: so... I think it's because it's bleached that that's the thing. Because the actor who is playing Rolf is not naturally blonde yeah and it's so bleached that you're kind of like well of course
1: that's this the character thing is, is a Nazi yeah I think that's the thing is because so far and we know the time period and I just think it's very very obvious mm-hmm. with him and yeah he has the letter and then the captain reads it, and he says he's going to be off to Vienna to see a Baroness and Uncle Max
0: and they're very excited about Uncle Max. Not so much the Baroness.
1: No. And then we we cut to Liesl and Rolf sitting in a tree. And she says how she would like a telegram. And Rolf is like really romantic with...
0: He's like hamming up what yeah. he would send her as a telegram. And then he says, cordially, Rolf. Yeah. And she's like, cordially, <laughs> No. And then
1: he also is is very pro-German. So like if you weren't already sure based on the color of his hair, at this point, I think, you know, there's massive red flags like run, hmm He calls her a baby because she's 16.
0: You're just a baby.
1: And I'm like, oh, my days, how much older is he? He's 17. Not in the SNL skit, though, <laughs> mm. where he's 48 but yeah, I, I I was thinking, oh, what's the reveal going to be? Are you, he reveals he's 17. And we get this lovely sequence, this lovely song.
0: The choreography here is so nice of the, because it's such a confined space. So yeah. using the chairs and everything, it's it's just very clever. It
1: is. I, I really like it, you know, how they go into the pagoda and, you know.
0: I do like that this then comes back towards the, I'm just going to do yeah, I mean... I'm just going to jump around with this. Towards the end of the film, when Maria and the captain have their little heart-to-heart also happens in the pagoda. So yeah. I think that's cute. It's, it's the like romance a nice,
1: pagoda. Yeah, apparently. Uh, Nobody
0: else goes there at any
1: time. No, it's a great song. And again, one that Family Guy have referenced. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I know, I know this song. And it is really cute. Mm-hmm. I like how it comes back later as a reprise between Maria and Liesel. Mm-hmm. What's funny though is that Liesel, the actor, is not sixteen going on seventeen. She's in fact twenty-two. Yeah, older than Julie Andrews, or younger than probably
0: Ju- the same age. Probably yeah, the same at age. This point. But did have a little romance, hypothetically, hypothetical romance. Yes. on the not, set,
1: not with the person we'd expect in Rolf. There wasn't, you know, like no, but with life imitating art, Christopher
0: Plummer. It's yeah, really she was dating her on-screen dad. They weren't dating. Oh, you know. They had a, they had a romance. But, the dalliance. Yeah.
1: I think that's weird, though. Like, yeah, me too. Like the bit with Eilweiss. Well, he was
0: 35 yeah. at the time, which is quite a big age difference. Obviously, they didn't end up together, but you know. And then, well, the actress who's playing Liesel wasn't an actress before this. She's done some modelling on the side and she could sing and
1: dance. She's very good.
0: She's really good. But she was actually studying to be a doctor. Okay. And one of her friends happened to know Robert Wise and was like, hey, I have this friend.
1: (laughs) And did she then follow a career in acting? Mm -hmm. I mean, it must be very weird to act across from somebody and being like, right now I'm your dad. But after this shot ends... We're going to have our dalliances. Like, it's just weird. Mm. I couldn't watch their interactions the same way when you told me that. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm sorry, listeners, who are now going to rewatch it and realise that... They know, have the, chemistry. The Von Traps certainly kind have of chemistry, funny. you know, especially during Edelweiss. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they have more chemistry, I will say, than Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer, who apparently at the time found each other very annoying.
1: Yes, um, but from what become... Christopher
0: Plummer has said, anyway, he found Julie Andrews quite annoying, called her Miss Disney.
1: But they grew to become but very, buddies. very close, yeah, really friends. close friends. We get some exposition with the housekeeper who explains the tragic backstory of the Von Trap. So yes. they're not bad children, they're Charles just, Schmitt. you know, struggling. They've lost their mother and the dad's not really around.
0: Yeah, and they, they're very clearly, and they say this later on, but like. It's very clear that they're acting out for attention. Yeah. In like the most, I guess, like, what else are they going to do?
1: But they're also not treated as children. They're they're not treated in a way that they're allowed to be children. They are supposed to be Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like reflections of their father, which means that they're not children. Mm. And this next sequence, we're going to see that really well, that this is, I think, the most important moment in terms of bonding with Maria because they're allowed to be kids. Yeah. And she doesn't, you know, and also she goes with her own rules as opposed and breaks the rules that the captain has given because they're children. So, you know, Lisel sneaks into the, the wrong window and she's soaked. Um Maria's like saying a prayer but she incorporates it into her prayer like really cleverly. She's just like, and "Please give me the strength to get through to Lisel because I think she's a a solid girl and she just needs some support." and she says here take take my spare night dress go get changed and leave that one there we'll, we'll get it sorted um but she hears the story about how the last governess was gotten rid of spiders so she checks the bed for spiders and then we have the thunderstorm and gretel and the others rush in scared and um they say something about the boys won't come in here boys are brave and then the boys running scared but they they change and they act really casual when they get in and see everyone else is there. Yeah. Um, which leads into one of the best songs in this is favorite things. Mm. You know, this is how you stop being scared or how, when you're nervous, what, what do you do? What, what would you sing about? What would your favorite things include? Whiskers on Kittens probably would yes, be it's like, probably
0: still in there. Cream colored ponies probably still in there.
1: Would you Would you have... Um,
0: Actually, also brown paper packages tied up with string because that's how I do all my Christmas presents. It is.
1: Would you have references to dogs in any way?
0: I would. It would just be... I would just list the names of all the dogs.
1: <laughs> Not like... <laughs> Schnauzers and Terriers and <laughs> Red Cocker Spaniels. <laughs> yep. Dalmatians and Huskies and... Sweet water collies. That does
0: not rhyme, but I appreciate But You know time. what
1: I mean, is just trying to put it in. That's what you would have. I, I would have, um, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know, the sound when you roll a successful D20. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <Nice. laughs> um, yeah, I really like this song and I really like how into it they all get. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, Captain Von Trapp appears and the song suddenly ends. And he's like, did I not tell you that bedtime was at eight? My children don't sing.
0: What were the kids doing before this? This is not their first ever thunderstorm.
1: No, well, they were supposed to be in bed and probably presumably made to suffer.
0: Or they would all end up in like Liesel's room. Yeah. You know.
1: I I like how she asks for the material because she wants to make play clothes. Mm hmm. And he says, no. And then she recognises the curtains and she's already been told that the curtains are going to go. And then the next shot is the kids coming out in their curtain clothes. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And we get a really nice montage of their day out. And, And presumably this is the next day. Would Maria have made the clothes that quickly or is this... Like, I mean, she probably would have been up all night doing it. Or is this like a couple of days later? Like,
0: I would assume that she didn't start making them until the new drapes were put in.
1: Yeah. So this is like a couple of days later, but it's a really nice day out. And we just see like the whole bonding.
0: Oh, there's a deleted scene here. Is there? Yes. Where, obviously, they're all in their play codes. They bump into Rolf and he sees Louis, not Louisa. That's not the oldest Sorry. one. Uh, Liesel in her play clothes and basically makes comments about how she's acting like a child and it like tells her to grow up, that kind of thing. And then like leaves and she's like, oh and then it it makes that scene later on where it's like the next time she sees him. Yeah. Is when he's gone full Nazi and is like not talking to her anymore. And she's like,
1: oh, okay. I quite like that that scene's not in there then. Like, I quite like that it's almost, she's got this romanticised idea of him and she's mm. still hanging on to it. Mm-hmm. We as the audience have already got enough red flags without that one. We know where he's going. Yeah. So it's quite nice to only ever see him through Liesl's, like, gaze mm-hmm. and almost have that, like, romanticised notion of him moving forward. Yeah. Uh, the kids, basically, like we've said, they lash out because they want to get their dad's attention. Mm-hmm. And Maria suggests that like, we could write him a song for his return. Um, but they don't know how to sing, so they have to learn to sing. And it's difficult. Um, so she's like, oh, I can teach you to sing. And we get do, re, mi. Which is fun. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite bits is la a note to follow so because <laughs> she can't think of what la means
0: <laughs> well so there's a lot of stuff about this people think that potentially what happened was they wrote this lyric in yeah as like a space filler
1: and then it just and they're like
0: we'll put something in there and then couldn't come up with anything but people have also said you could just sing the whole song like that like, do, the first note, we will sing, re, a note to follow, do.
1: Yeah, but that's why I think it's funnier, <laughs> because, like... Because the rest, more the of, rest of them will have The rest of them work. And that's great. why it sounds like, la, a note to follow so yeah i just think that was really fun um and i do like how every this song just builds there's a nice bit where they're all in a carriage and she's conducting them and each child is a different one it's really good Mm -hmm. and and like this is the thing it's such a simple song in its execution to like build a song around the scales it's catchy love it's brilliant i really love this one and yeah, we then cut to uh, Max and the Baroness, like, with the Captain Von Trapp. We learn his name here at this point, where it's like Georg. Mm-hmm. It's George. It's George. So but why will not call him Georg?
0: Because that's how you pronounce it, Austrian.
1: Okay. I yeah. just called him the Captain throughout. Yeah. Because it's easier. Georg.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Georg. Georg Von Trapp.
0: It's spelled G-E-O-R-G.
1: G-E-O-R-G Von Trapp. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so they're just generally talking on their way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max uh, is organising a music festival, or at least helps theoretically. With it. And yes. he talks about how he needs a new act, so we kind of have that MacGuffin already put in place. And he passes like an mm-hmm. abbey where the choir is singing. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I'm going
0: the to scout boys' folk choir or something like that." Yeah,
1: I'm going to scallop them out and hopefully get to them before someone else does. And as they're driving past, they see some local urchins climbing trees. And Von Trapp just seems a little bit nervous. He's like, are they local urchins? They are not. We see a very different side to him in this sequence. Like, this is where he's very much a flirt, you know, um, and he has a real manner with the Baroness.
0: Yeah. I just looked it up because... I was interested. If he, if he married her, the baroness, he would not become a baron. No. But if he was a baron and she married him, she would become a baroness. So similar because to. Because women how... can in, inherit title, whereas men
1: can't. So similar to how. Um,
0: if you marry the queen, you're a prince.
1: Yeah, so it's Prince Philip as opposed to King Philip.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas. Um, if you marry the
0: king, you're a queen.
1: So she, she'll she be Queen Camilla. She's Queen Consort right now, because she's Queen-in-waiting. But will she be Queen Camilla? But she won't then be the queen when... If, if she survives Charles, because she has no right to the title...
0: You become Queen Regent until somebody takes over. Yeah,
1: and she would be Queen Regent until... Um,
0: it's all fictional. It's all made up.
1: <laughs> until... Will and Kate take the throne. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like I say, it's all fictional.
1: But it gets us a day off.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: <laughs> the Baroness throws rather gay parties, just like us.
0: Oh, she does like to throw a gay party. That's <laughs> great.
1: And Max is... We c- know...
0: By the way, we know that that's not what that means. We just really like in this modern day and age where you have these old movies where they say things like that, and they mean exciting, fun, yes. happy. And we're like, we love a gay party. Yes. <laughs> Amazing.
1: I can't wait to see all the rainbows. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, but Max has come for eating strudel.
0: He's had like three. Yeah. He said, let's make it an uneven three. Yeah, packing. I
1: like that bit. Von Trapp uh, heads off to find the kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, at this point, Max and the Baroness discuss the progress of their courting, which does feel very sneaky. I, I know it's not necessarily intended to, because obviously Max is there as her chaperone, as an unmarried woman. Mm-hmm. Even though she's a widow, she's now back to that kind of early days of dating, so she needs a chaperone. You can't just go
0: and stay with a guy. Like, no. that's not...
1: But it does feel very untoward. It only feels like they're manipulating Von Trapp to get her... This marriage—they're all friends,
0: you know.
1: Yeah, but it, it's a weird, weird sequence. I get that we need it for exposition, but it makes you—it makes me worry about Max. I—I mm-hmm. I, I don't think enough is done to make his character trustworthy and likable.
0: Yeah,
1: and I, I blame this scene because towards the end, when things really get stressful, I don't know how much I can trust Max mm-hmm. because he—it seems like he's conspiring against the captain. If that makes sense. Yeah. He does. So yeah, Von Trapp does spy Rolf, uh, throwing rocks out of a window and confronts him. And he just full on heils Hitler. And we just see the the captain's anti-Nazi sentiment. And I think this is a very important scene as well. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Liesel doesn't see this. Now we know, oh, you really need to stay away from this boy. But it also shows us that the captain is somebody that we can absolutely trust in the backdrop of this world. You know, for all his stern and, you know, military uh, background. Yeah. He is very dedicated to the cause of freedom. Mm -hmm. And you know that he's going to get caught up in this, but he's not going to go down without a fight. And I think it's, it's a small scene, but it's an important scene. Yeah. But just like the suddenness of it as well. Like it's almost casual in it in its reveal. Mm-hmm. But I guess that would be the world that they were living in at the time. We then cut to uh, the children arriving on a boat. Yes. And they all capsize.
0: This is obviously not in the stage show.
1: No. And you have a funny story to tell me about this one that you told me I'd have to wait until... Uh recording to hear about
0: it's not funny well you
1: know what i mean like an interesting (laughs) behind the scenes tidbit
0: it is an interesting behind the scenes tidbit but it could have gone horrifically wrong basically the little girl who plays gretel cannot swim um and so the point is that they all fall forwards out of the boat julie andrews will grab this child and get her to the stairs and what actually happens is the way that the boat tips julie andrews goes over the back of the boat and the girl goes under it
1: Oh, no. And
0: so the girl playing Louisa grabs her and basically, like, hauls her out. And they had to cut away from the scene because she throws up all over my Louisa. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Julie Andrews said she felt guilty about it for
1: years. You also told me, you did tell me, that they had to film this more than once.
0: Yes, they did.
1: Which makes that even worse.
0: And the reason why they had... Well... They had to film it more than once,
1: obviously, because it's a film. You you do multiple takes, just in, yeah, just in case you. Interesting lose the...
0: that they picked to use the one where the kid nearly drowns, but fine. And I
1: guess you've got to at that point the commitment. It's like, oh, I guess we've got to use this one because she did nearly die. Did <laughs> Julie Andrews fall forwards in all the other takes then? Yeah. Maybe it just didn't look as good with her falling forwards. I'm like, actually, that maybe was it was, was
0: more did... funny with her going the yeah. opposite way because she does. She sort of goes <laughs> up in the air yeah. almost. It's very dramatic. But yeah, to keep the kids warm uh, while they were filming, they gave them all the brandy.
1: Oh. <laughs> to keep them, because that's why it ended up happening. Like Julie Andrews is having the brandy as well at the same time, and she fell back. I backwards. don't believe she was. No, I'm, I think I'm it's called, the kids. I doubt she was. Like,
0: yeah. Also, Julie <sighs> Andrews would sing super califragilistic to the kids to entertain them, but because Mary Poppins hadn't come out I yet, no the idea. kids thought that she'd made it up for them.
1: Oh Oh my days, that's the cutest. (laughs) I probably felt so betrayed by Mama Von Trapp. No, you'd go and see it and be like, oh, that's our song. It's cute. (laughs) She she must have taken that song after working with us and told them to put that in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, Von Trapp's not impressed. You know, his children roaming around in drapes. Yeah. But she tells him some much needed truth. Mm -hmm. and flusters him to the point that he messes up one of his lines. She makes
0: a comment here that is important for a scene in a moment where she says, you may not want to hear it from me, but you should ask Brigitte. She notices everything. She could tell you what's going on around here. Yeah. And we never actually see Brigitte noticing anything, but it is relevant because it's a line from the stage show Mm -hmm. because Brigitte does notice something that I'll talk about when we get to it. But, yeah.
1: Does she notice the flirting between Von Trapp and Maria? Because I certainly haven't noticed it at this point.
0: She notices that her father is in love with Maria. Also, around this kind of point in the film, in the stage show, the Baroness and Max, when they're talking, instead of being all, like you say, like,
1: Inspiring. oh, you should marry him. yeah.
0: She's confiding in Max. She says, I feel like... There's something holding him back from actually marrying me, like choosing me. And Max is like, guys, you, you guys are rich. You don't have time to have like actual romance. Yeah. Just he'll get over it and we'll figure it
1: out. So then when she meets Maria, she's like, hmm. Which is weird because in terms of this, I don't know if the stage show does the same thing. He's literally hired Maria and then the next day has gone off to the Baroness.
0: And then just come back. Yeah. yeah she's known him for maybe... She's been around, and like, yeah,
1: <laughs> like... very minimal. I I like the bit. So she fosters him so much that when he's addressing her, he says, "Oh yes, you will, Captain Fraulein."
0: This is a nice little bit that they kept in as well. No, but I
1: like it. It works very, very well because I feel like this is the first moment possibly where he starts to see Maria in a different light.
0: He also fires her, tells her to go back to the Abbey. Yeah. And then we hear the children singing.
1: Yes. So, yeah, we get the sound of music reprise mm-hmm. and the singing calms him, amazes him. And he joins in and the kids are in awe because it's like, you know.
0: Oh, my God, he can sing.
1: Yeah. And it's just a nice thing that he does.
0: We never get any of this, but surely Liesel is 16. Surely Going she remembers. 17. Well, and their mother died.
1: The, How the, old is Gretel? Five or four. Five. So she'd have been at least 11. Mm-hmm. So maybe 12, 13 when mother died.
0: Mm-hmm. So she would remember all of this. Like, well, which is why she remembers the words to Edelweiss, but like she would remember back when there was music in the house and her mother and all of this stuff, and
1: it's really never brought up. Maybe the past few years have been so bad and traumatic she's forgotten it. I don't know. It, you're right. She would know. Mm hmm. But I guess we have to have the Von Trapps that Maria meets, you know? Yeah. I I think this is a really nice family moment. Uh, and then Gretel gives the Baroness some Edelweiss. And uh, Von Trapp does apologise to Maria, which I think is a really nice thing because, again, it makes it more likeable. You don't have a character here who is ashamed to admit I was wrong and own up to his faults. You have a character who is... And you don't see it in a lot of men in this time period. The men are men. They are always right. You know, it could have been a case of Maria or or, or Fraulein. Yeah, he apologizes don't, You I'm not like impressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, she may be right to do not question the way I father my children. He, he could have said that. Instead, he's full on like, I'm sorry. And that's a really nice step like
0: nice to see we love to see it they've
1: done a really good job at building this character up very quickly you know with the whole anti-nazi sentiment and owning up to his mistakes yeah uh i might do something quite controversial now and say that i don't really like the lonely goat herd sequence
0: fun fact guess where it takes place in the musical
1: as the ballet, you, you said it was ballet sequence. Well, no, in the so, film,
0: this would be the ballet. But uh, guess what What this is used for in the musical?
1: Is this the end of Act 1? No. Nope. Or the opening to Act 2? No. Nope. Where is it? It
0: happens in a completely different part of the film. Is this
1: the wedding? Nope.
0: That would be amazing. <laughs> Let's have that as our wedding song. Nope. Okay, incredible. R- no, this is what she sings to them when they're frightened
1: of the storm. What? no, I can, actually, I can actually kind of see that. Hi, oh it's just head, like it's telling a them legal... the story
0: kind of thing. And
1: he yodels to kind of keep him... So what's favourite things come in?
0: She sings favourite things after she's late back to the Abbey with the um, Mother Abbess. They sing it together.
1: Oh, so it's nothing to do with the children. <laughs> no. I prefer it this way. They
0: then sing it later, as if she's taught it to them, but we never see her sing it with the kids. I... She, de- she does do me with them, obviously, but then, yeah, it's just like, what is...
1: I like the favourite things as a sequence there. I mean, it's tough to tell, because the, the problem I have with this sequence is, A, the puppets are very creepy.
0: I love the puppet. I love the little goats. The, the goats. The goat the goats versions I like. of the human characters, I think, are hilarious. I like the goats.
1: I don't necessarily like the human characters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but this is the other thing that... So we learn, and my note is like, where are we supposed to think the puppets came from? We know that Uncle Max gives them the puppets and they do this for him. So, Mm -hmm. but uh, for
0: me... And then Max tells them that actually he used their dad's money to buy it, so it's fine.
1: But for me, we've still very much established that these children didn't know how to sing until Maria came in. Are they just prodigies? They can just master puppets straight away? They would have played with puppets before. Not to this high quality level. I just, I found it... uh, I found, also, they're
0: really not doing anything that complicated with the puppets.
1: I just, I found this sequence to be jarring because it wasn't believable and just creepy.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, Pinocchio has really screwed me on puppets. You know, it's
0: weirdly placed.
1: It's weirdly placed, and the song itself is okay.
0: I like the song. The
1: song is good, but I just don't like this as a sequence. It's just very weirdly placed. Like it's almost the next day or that that evening, and it's like, look at what we, else we've learned to do. It's like have you? You know, it just feels too, like it, it really pushes my suspension of disbelief.
0: Yeah. We're really jumping around
1: at this point in the show with time. And is this also the song they wrote for the Baroness? You know how they, they
0: didn't write a song for the Baroness, but
1: they—they they, well they, she teaches them
0: the sound of music.
1: Okay, so that was a song. Cause she was like, I'll teach you to sing. We'll have a song prepared for your dad. And
0: she says, let's figure out a song to sing for the Baroness when, the, when she arrives. And, they're like, Father doesn't like us to sing. Besides, we don't know any songs. Which, again, the older ones
1: would, but sure. Because mm-hmm. there's interestingly, like, there's quite also, a few, they all go like, to school. diegetic songs in this. So, like, The Hills Are Alive in the start is a diegetic song. Like, it's almost like a song that exists that Maria's singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Favourite things, diegetic. Like, she's singing to calm the kids. Do Re Mi mm-hmm. is her teaching them to sing. Mm-hmm. But then you also have like Maria and 16 going on 17 that are non-diegetic songs that just make a sequence.
0: I like the idea that Maria is diegetic and that these nuns have spent their time coming up with a mean song to sing about Maria. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, at this point in the stage show, the Baroness and Maria have a little chat in which the Baroness makes some... Comments about Maria and the captain, how close they are and how, Well, oh, I'm surprised he lets you, you know, she's essentially a servant. Yeah. I'm surprised he lets you talk to him like that. And Maria's like, oh, you have nothing to worry about. I'm going back to the Abbey in September when the kids go back to school. Yeah. And the Baroness is like, nice, good. We don't get that here. Instead, what we get is the Baroness being like, she kind of spies on... Yeah. So the captain and maria are talking and maria's kind of halfway up the staircase in that really nice blue dress that she Mm -hmm. has and you can kind of see the baroness is like peering yeah she can see what's going on she doesn't like it
1: because we've also just had the sequence as well where max is like i'm going to exploit your children they can be my entry in von Trapp's, no my children don't sing in public um and yeah maria's just kind of being looked down on by the baroness Mm
0: -hmm. And then, oh, she's like, oh, I don't know how you do it, my dear. Blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's really yes. snide comments. It's like, how
1: would you be mother to these seven children? Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids uh, say it's the captain's turn to sing. Yep. And we get Edelweiss, mm-hmm. which isn't the best song in this, but is a very, very sweet song. Like, as a sequence, I really like this. It's really nice to see the captain's vulnerability and you see in this moment like he is a good dad you can imagine back to like this being like a little nursery like he'd sing the babies and coo them to sleep with
0: also doesn't happen at this point in the
1: edelweiss has become synonymous with like holocaust as well hasn't it like which is really weird because it was written for this show yeah it's not an austrian song no but it's become very much synonymous with it you know like
0: Mm.
1: i guess because of the
0: yeah, well, and apparently it's not very well known in Austria.
1: It's, it, I mean, I really like this sequence. Um, it's just a sweet moment. It's weird how Rodgers and Hammerstein's songs get adapted. I mean, this this has, you know, obviously, a good link. Mm. You'll never walk alone is a little bit more.
0: That's the weirdest. I mean, I was going
1: to say that, but it's done to commemorate. The Hillsborough disaster, like, that's where it really picked up. It's, like, it's very much a tribute to all of the fans that lost their lives on that day.
0: No, and I know that. Yeah. But,
1: like... It's still... Because I've currently been it's, teaching that. It's that,
0: a weird choice of song. Yeah.
1: Like, it, it, a musical theatre song going for that, it is a weird...
0: Especially because it's from Carousel. Yeah. And it's not it's from a weird part of carousel as well where it's kind of it's it's just interesting it's nice it's a lovely song oh
1: it is a gorgeous song it's very interesting you know teaching that a lot of the kids who are football fans had no idea that this comes from an old musical yeah it's great
0: elsa wants party
1: yes elsa wants a party and we have a party, and this does one of my favourite things in musicals. I know I've just gone on about suspension of disbelief with the kids, like knowing puppetry. How the orchestra and I favourite things? I don't know, but I'm here for it. Mm. Like I genuinely love that the orchestra are just do um, do 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 do. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, and then there's a Nazi who is miffed that there's an Austrian flag in the hallway. Yes i can't i've got his name later
0: it's it's
1: her Z- hair Zella. yeah um and again quite simple introduction we know outright he is not somebody to be trusted mm-hmm. based on his response to this is is he like a person already of stature within austria or is he going to kind of like leapfrog people who are in charge because of his associations with the Nazi Party? Like, who is he currently in? Like this point, is he always just we don't know who he is? He just happens to become the we foil. We have no
0: idea. He's a guest at this party, so yeah. he must be. I would assume that he is high up in society enough that he's been invited to this party because everybody else there is much better dressed than he is. Yes. And also quite a lot of the men, if you look in the back, like the ensemble, are probably people that Captain Von Trapp worked with because most of them wear badges, like military badges. So I would assume that's how they know each other, but he's not titled.
1: No, and I, I would really... I would like to know a little bit more. He certainly doesn't have the status of any other character at this point, but he does seem to really grab status towards the end. And there's an almost an element of like bitterness and resentment. Like...
0: He ends up in act two being the... Galeiter? Galtir? Yeah. I don't know what that means.
1: He's basically in charge in Austria...
0: It's the third highest rank in Nazi political
1: leadership. Yeah, so he's he's basically, I would say at that point then, he's the leader in in Salzburg. Yeah. You know, and he answers to two people, you know, Hitler mm. and Hitler II. Mm. Like he's like a puppet government, you know, like he has been instilled there.
0: Yeah, basically. But at this point he isn't.
1: No, he's not, but he is certain. Because we find
0: out that he has been when... The captain is on his honeymoon. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, Liesel is practicing her mock excitement at being asked to dance, which I thought was really That's cute. cute. And then Friedrich comes and dances with her. She should it's be at nice this party. Nice when she
0: acts younger. It is. Oh well, no! Actually, I did some research into this yeah. because I was complaining while we were watching yeah. this film that Liesl is sixteen. She
1: is going on seventeen.
0: Yes, she's basically an adult. She's treated like an adult. But she's not allowed to come to this party. But then I looked it up and apparently the age of majority at this kind of time was 21.
1: Yeah, so it does make sense. So she
0: is still seen as a child, but...
1: Also, like... Think... Teenagers weren't a
0: thing at no, the time. Teenagers... So she's still seen as a child. She's still wearing short dresses. Yes, and know.
1: I do think there's also an element of protection, you know, from the type of man that would be at this party.
0: Mm-hmm. She wears her hair down yeah. still. So she, she probably is still seen as a child here. I do like that she really wants to be at
1: this party. Yeah, I really like um, Maria starts dancing with Kurt and the captain comes in. And you, this is where you start to see he's infatuated. And the Baroness, like, can see it when von trapp and maria dance together i would say this is possibly my biggest critique of this mm. is it has that trope of like romance but it really does come out of nowhere like this is the first kind of point that i feel like both of them are like oh i'm in love with this person
0: nah no no I think they, it's like meant to be from first I don't think it's well done but I think it's meant but that's to be what first I'm saying. Right.
1: I don't think it's well done because
0: obviously f- the first time they see each other is in the ballroom
1: yeah I, do, I don't think it's well done here I no. think it does come out of nowhere and especially for me I remember the first time I watched this it was like why is he marrying her why is this even up for debate he's 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 clearly into the baroness mm-hmm. you know he's got far more chemistry with her he's got far more chemistry with his daughter and we, we you know I've learnt why
0: yeah so this is where Brigitte
1: should say
0: the line. Well, so this bit in the stage show is completely different. The... Elsa doesn't have a problem with Maria anymore. They're just like, they're whatever. Brigitte, after the captain sort of walks off, Brigitta's like, oh, apparently father's going to marry the Baroness. And Maria's like, oh, that's lovely. Good for him. And she's like, yeah, I don't know why he's going to do that when you two are in love with each other and maria gets really embarrassed she's like i don't really want this i don't want
1: i don't feel comfortable with your insinuation
0: yeah you know and i mean as somebody who works for him you don't want the kids saying to him yeah you're in love with each other so while the kids are doing their song of so long farewell Maria is nowhere to be seen. And then once all the guests go in for dinner, she leaves. Tries to leave,
1: yeah. I do love the So Long Farewell sequence. Mm. I think it's great. I love the, the little kick and everything as they all go off. And I love really cute Gretel going, The sun has gone
0: yeah climbing up the stairs is really cute bed.
1: and the way she just falls asleep and they're like goodbye
0: yeah and then Lisa wants to come and collect her
1: but I also love how there's a point where the audience all just seem to be like goodbye <laughs> and everyone joins in I think it's a really great scene like mm-hmm. I just think it's a really catchy tune as well mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic
0: I think it's a good end of act one song <laughs> because guess what the end of act one song is in the stage show
1: um, seeing as the order seems to be completely messed up, I'm going to go with Maria. No. Because I was...
0: Climb Over a Mountain.
1: Oh. yeah! Instead that's... of being
0: the opening song of Act Two.
1: Yeah, that's not a good choice. Mm. This is, this is a good way to end it. Like, I mean, we have a little bit of action after, but this is a nice, like, song to end it on. Mm-hmm. So do we so obviously we have the action here. Would we have the action or would it end with So Long Farewell and like Maria's already left at this point on stage?
0: They sing that.
1: And then we have the same action that we have the film. What action? So you know, the the bit where Elsa and Maria talking. Elsa's like, how oh, do no, you... know no, none of that's in the stage show. Okay. They
0: put that in. Basically, they made Elsa the bad guy.
1: Yeah, because Elsa is the bad guy here. It's very weird. And again, makes me feel... Dislike Max more because in hindsight, they are conspiring.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this is the thing. They really changed the Baroness's character because you spend the entirety of Act One in the film... Not liking this woman because we know that the captain's going to end up with Maria. Yeah. But also she's so rude to her Mm -hmm. and snarky and she makes these mean little comments to make Maria uncomfortable and she goes out of her way to get rid of her. So, you know, she's the villain. In the stage show, she doesn't do any of that in act one. Then in act two in the film, she's like, hey... I can see when I've lost you're not in love with me don't marry me that's fine in act 2 of the stage show the reason why they break up and he's free to marry maria is because they get in an argument about whether or not it's okay for the nazis to take over germany uh, over <sighs> austria and she's like hey just go with the flow you know don't ruffle any feathers don't cause any problems she's... and he's like
1: no <laughs> she's in vienna isn't she yeah and vienna's italy so Italy would have had Mussolini at the time, so she's already living within a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And it's probably so okay. she But she's a
0: baroness, so it doesn't really affect her. Yeah. So she's like, hey, just, you know, get on with it. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I,
1: I prefer this way. He's kind of like, I'm in love with someone else. Because mm-hmm. I like that it's him being initiated. He's like, no, I, I do love Maria as opposed to... I'm not going to marry a... Nazi sympathiser. Yeah. I'm not going to marry an extremist. Yeah. Um,
0: they sing a song called No Way to Stop It, which is where Max and Elsa are like...
1: Max is...
0: Max, who is Jewish. Yes.
1: Oh. he's
0: a horrific stereotype, by the way.
1: I feel like the film really did make some good adaptations. This is probably the definitive way to watch...
0: I think the Sound of Music. The Sound of Music is one of the best film adaptations of a musical because they took all of this bad stuff about these characters, all of these stereotypes, and I mean Max still has horrible stereotypes yes. on him, but all of these weird choices and were like yeah, we're probably not going to include that.
1: So out of curiosity, have there been revisions to the stage show as a result of the film? Or does the stage show pretty much stay the same?
0: Stage show the same.
1: Because that's the thing. Because like, the... Grease is, again, one of those shows that's very different to the film.
0: Mm-hmm. But you know, the one we were talking about before, the live, yeah. uh, Grease live, uh, Sunday Music, Music, Music Live with Carrie Underwood has all of that in it.
1: I'll have to cover that at some point.
0: Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs>
1: So, yes, uh, Max wants Maria to stay at the party and then Herzella says Austria doesn't hold a monopoly on virtue and spreads his Nazi ideals.
0: And the captain's going to get in a fight and then the Baroness is like, time for dinner. I
1: like the bit where <laughs> Zella's like, it sounds like it sounds like uh, you're being rather nasty or, you know, whatever. And um, oh, the he captain says, responds, I... how clumsy of me. I meant to accuse you.
0: He said, um, I will assume that you're not accusing me. And he's like, oh, how clumsy of me. I meant it as an insult. Yes. It's like, nice.
1: <laughs> um, but then the Baroness help helps Maria change, but uses it as an excuse to intimidate and chase her off.
0: Yeah, because she says the nice blue dress that I commented on yeah. before, because it's probably the nicest dress that she wears in the film. The Baroness is like... Oh, she said, Maria says, oh, I have nothing to wear for this fancy dinner I've now been invited to. Yeah. And the Baroness is like, oh, what, what happened to that little blue number where the captain couldn't take his eyes off of you? And Maria gets immediately stressed.
1: Yeah. And there's also this element of she's a woman who wants to be a nun. Like at this point, she's like, I'm going to go back to nunnery and mm-hmm. knows that this is forbidden. Um, her only love is God. And obviously she loves uh, the captain at this point, but she thinks there's something wrong with that. So for her, this is really uncomfortable. And I really feel bad seeing like Julie Andrews being like clearly uncomfortable with this conversation Mm -hmm. as well. So she she
0: normally plays characters who are very in control of everything. So it's funny to see her being vulnerable. The vulnerability
1: is really great. She uh, resolves to leave and sneaks out and leaves a note. But I really love the pan out as she leaves that it just feels very theatrical. And she shuts the door and it's like the curtains. And we have what modern films should also include. An intermission.
0: Yeah. Any film that is over two hours should have an intermission. Yeah. So I can go to the loo without missing anything.
1: Yeah. I, I went to see Titanic 3D, not this year when it was re-released, but the first time it was re-released at the hyper 3D and it had an intermission. It was so good. Mm. And I remember seeing Return of the King in the cinema and that had an intermission.
0: Also, I need more popcorn by the time we get to that point in the film
1: yeah i th- I think the cinemas would benefit from it because it would really make people go buy more mm-hmm. you know people who don't buy drinks might buy a drink because you can refill it at the intermission mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe you spend like two pound more and you show your receipt and you get a, like uplift of more popcorn mm. but yes, films need like I'm not saying hour and a half films like the Mario movie flew by didn't need an intermission I was fine with that. But certainly, the way the Marvel films going nowadays, like there's a Scorsese film that's coming out soon. It's going to be four hours.
0: What's the reason why they split Wicked into two parts? Yeah, like they claim it's because they're going to do it as a faithful adaptation, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. So we start off with the on track. I really, you know, I like when old movie musicals do this, and I hope that Wicked all kind of do the same, following the you know part one, part two, like we mm. have it on track. Uh, the kids are playing with Elsa, but they're not having fun and they're kind of back to their old tricks of throwing the ball at her, which I really liked. Um, Elsa talks to Max about how she would send them to boarding school instead of being a mother. And I'm like, oh, you are not a nice person.
0: It's the same exact same conversation that happens in the parent trap. Yeah. Where the whatever the woman in the parent trap is called is like, as soon as we get married, that kid's going to boarding school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's like>, oh. <laughs>
1: They also don't want to sing without Maria. And Gretel is complaining about a sore finger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which again, I like that that doesn't get forgotten about. Gretel, like, a- until she's up to Maria, she's like, my, my finger's finger sore, is sore. Yeah, it's so cute. Because feel, that feels the most childlike thing of anything we've seen.
0: Mm-hmm. Because nobody else cares about it.
1: They do a really good version of singing uh, a sad Hills Are Alive. And like, Von Trapp notices it. He's just like.
0: He's like, come on, you sang so beautifully the other day. And they're like, yeah, it's not the same when Maria's not here.
1: They interrogate him about her whereabouts. He tells them, you know, it doesn't really matter, um, you know, because you won't need a governess because you're going to have a brand new mother. And we get the most awkward kisses ever where she's just sat down and all the kids are all like despondently going and kissing her on the cheeks because they've apparently got to love this woman. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: (sighs) Yeah, and he doesn't phrase it as the Baroness and I are to be married. He says, you're going to have a new mother. And it's like, that's not how no. any of this works. And we, as the audience know, she's shipping them all off to school.
1: Yeah, and they're not, she, she's she's a stepmother. She's not their mother, mm-hmm. you know, and especially for kids like Liesel, who will remember their mother, you know? Mm-hmm. It's tone deaf from the captain here. Yeah, it's kind of a shame because, and it definitely shows that without Maria, he's he's kind of melting again. You know, instead of melting, he he's hardening again. Yeah. You know, he needs her there to be a gentle father. The children decide to head off to the abbey to find Maria, um, and they go and they they speak at the gates to a nun, and they're told they can't see her because Maria's in seclusion. And Gretel's like, "But my fingers sore," which I thought was great. Um, and the nuns are worried they have a problem with Maria, but this time because she's, un- unha- you know, she's so unhappy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and clearly unhappy to be back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's kind of like, oh, we miss the old Maria.
0: Yeah, the one that was annoying and yeah. but funny. Yeah, this like-
1: Maria just is in seclusion, does not speak and doesn't want guests. And she's been that way for a while. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how long it's been maybe a week or so. But she's been there for a while and hasn't spoken to anyone. Reverend Mother says, I will talk with her, bring her to my office, tell her she must come out of seclusion. I want to speak with her. And as we arrive, the Reverend Mother has a new postulant.
0: In a nice green dress. Very
1: nice green, green dress. Reverend Mother wants to know why Maria left. And she cuts straight to the chase and guesses that Maria is in love. Mm -hmm. And, like, Maria's really uncomfortable at that as well. But the Reverend Mother says that the love of a man and a woman is sacred and doesn't mean she loves God less. Hmm. And is like, oh, okay, so there's nothing wrong with the way I'm feeling. And they have Climb Every Mountain.
0: Yeah. The ultimate skip it
1: song. I would cut this sequence as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, this could be achieved with a conversation. Yeah. The film is two hours, 55 minutes. I genuinely think you can cut this sequence. And I don't think the film loses anything for it. I just...
0: I don't get <laughs> what the point of this song is. Because they do, in the stage show, and I, I think it happens in the film as well, it's reprised
1: as as the, they're
0: climbing the mountains yeah, to right escape. Yeah, right at the end. Where it makes sense.
1: But even that, it doesn't make in, sense. But it's because it's depressing. Yeah, like it's a depressing song and it doesn't make sense because it's not got any kind of context to the family.
0: This is such a... I think this has become very, very synonymous with the like old man song, which is kind of a joke. There's a joke yeah. in a lot of musicals that the old man song is the one that you skip and it's the the one where an a character played by an older actor sits or stands
1: and imparts wisdom
0: but doesn't move there's yeah. no action going on there's nothing happening they just stand there and they sing and you spend the entire time needing the loo and it's not great because there are some like take it from an old take man it from great an song old
1: man but yeah powerful song
0: really powerful song but stuff's happening while that song is happening so it's just a thing and I think this one is like the song that your auntie who is a soprano would sing at karaoke
1: oh yeah and you would go or where you'd have to go see her concerts where her and her local singing group are there and you'd much rather be at home watching tv and, and this is the song this is the picked. song she picks yeah. and you've got to be like really excited it's yeah it's not a good song mm-hmm. it could just be a conversation and we can cut five minutes off the running time of this mm-hmm. or we you know possibly have more of the the nazi stuff we go back to the manor and we get a great sequence where von trapp interrogates the kids like why are you late home where have you been all day And they talk about how they were berry picking. We had thousands of berries, father. He goes, excellent. Where are they? And they're like, we ate them. You ate them?
0: Oh, well, you won't be hungry for dinner then. It's like,
1: what were you picking? Uh, uh, Blueberries. It's too early for blueberries. I just love it. I really like this sequence. And yeah, um, the children are not good liars. And then we get the favourite things reprise. You know, they're sad, so they try singing to be happy, just like, you know, Maria taught them. And then they hear Maria's voice, and she's wearing that postulant screen dress.
0: Yeah, which is really funny. I love that.
1: Yes. (laughs) Maria's clearly learnt from this experience. She tells Liesl she can't use school to escape her problems, Mm -hmm. which I really like, and she says she's only going to be here until another governess can be arranged. Mm -hmm. And Von Trapp looks quite sad at that. And that night she goes out in the blue dress that he loves and he's spying on her from the balcony and Elsa notices. And she's talking about um, a gift she wants to get him for their wedding. And apparently these three things are the same. A fountain pen, a villa in Paris and a yacht. That's that's her progression. She's like, I'd like to get you a fountain pen, but I could also get you a villa in Paris. Or a yacht. Rich people problems.
0: Getting a fountain pen at the time probably was as expensive as a yacht. Like the good ones. Have you ever seen like fancy, they sell fountain pens in like Tiffany's. But nowadays they're really commonplace. They were not at the time. No, I
1: know. But it's still like, it's one of those. It's funny that, yeah. It's one of those like, oh, okay. (sighs) She wants a honeymoon around the world. Good for her. But there's also the kind of like, oh, but we know that would never happen at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And Von Trapp breaks off the marriage. Elsa plays it off cool and says she's too, he's too independent. She wants someone who needs her desperately or her money. Mm -hmm. And basically says, go for it. So at this point, she's less villain, more like barrier. Yeah. And then we never see Elsa again. Nope. But.
0: No, she goes back to Vienna.
1: I mean, still kind of... I guess if you're going to do it, she's had her comeuppance anyway. She's lost the man.
0: The only prize a woman could ever want.
1: Yeah, I I mean,
0: obviously. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But yeah, it, it is weird that we don't see her again. I think it does make more sense that... I like that her as a character, she's like, look, I know you're not in love with me let's not do this anymore. Yeah. But we do still have several conversations in this film where, like, the captain is saying to Max, don't tell me not to care about this because this is, you know, it's my country and my people and I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to watch this happen and do nothing. I think it would be more powerful if we still had the Baroness being like oh, don't worry about it. Like, yeah,
1: I think that would be, it would be good.
0: Especially if she was like, you know, this is a poor people problem. It's not an us problem. Yeah. Because he would be like, no. <laughs>
1: it's everyone's problem. Yeah, it would be, it would be an interesting take. Von Trapp goes to Maria and he goes for it. This whole sequence is like a DC film because it's very dark and I cannot see a thing.
0: Yes. That is on purpose because Julie Andrews giggled the entire yes. way through filming
1: this. Which, which, fair enough, but it's one of those like pivotal moments. And like, I get why Julie Andrews is like, oh, I've got to kiss Christopher Plummer.
0: <laughs> He's
1: been kissing his daughter. Um, but it's such a pivotal moment when they finally do. And just because you can't see it. And it, I hate it in modern filmmaking where you can't watch it because it's too dark. Mm. And, it, you know, it's, it's good, good to see it's not just a modern filmmaking problem. Such a beautiful film that's so vibrant and filled with colour. This bit, it's a shame. Uh, Something good, could it be? Yes, it could. It's a ballad. And yeah, uh, Von Trapp says he started to love her when she sat on the pine cone. And for her, it was the whistle. Mm -hmm. I did not pick up on that.
0: Nope.
1: (laughs) Like... Again, maybe I'd go back and make that a bit more abundantly clear. But it is what it is. Uh, they get wed at the abbey. None of the nuns are allowed in. They get kind of locked they
0: out. They stay in the, the convent part of it.
1: But I love that they celebrate their success by singing Maria. Yeah. Their weird bullying song. It's a choice. And that's The Sound of Music. End of mm-hmm. movie.
0: Um. So apparently... They totally forgot to bring an actor in to play the bishop really? for the wedding at this point of the film. And according to Julie Andrews, the guy who was there is the real Archbishop of Salzburg.
1: That's fantastic. Which is
0: really funny. Does it mean that their marriage is legal?
1: <laughs> Probably not. No. Um, There's plenty of witnesses, but you know, they capture the whole thing on tape. Mm. I, I like that though. That's really funny. That's a that's a nice like Oh, we're in this moment. What do we do? I love it when there's like improvised moments like that. Mm -hmm. It's not really the end of the movie. Um, This is where we get the shot of Salzburg with the Third Reich flag displayed and the stormtroopers going through the streets. And you have, like, the actual citizens of Salzburg as extras just walking through it. And, like, it, it makes me happy that they at least consulted with it and didn't just do it. Yeah. God, could you imagine if you didn't know this was going on and you woke up and you were like, no, this is the worst thing that could happen. Like, that must be, it, oh, so interesting. Like, that as a, we had to do this. But yeah, we're now fully things are things are pretty bad. Uncle Max is looking after the kids. Whilst
0: Hmm, seems like a great idea. Whilst everyone's whilst <laughs> He on definitely seems qualified to look after children.
1: And he's he's forced by Herr Zella to salute. You know, Herr Zella's confronting him and he's like, You're missing something. Which is very uncomfortable to watch him do that, especially now you've told me that he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable anyway, but, you know, um Herr is, is angry that the flag of the Third Reich is not displayed on Von Trapp's house and says, you know, he may be on his, his honeymoon, but ensure that when he gets back, it is displayed. And Max takes the kids away at this point. And he's like, yeah, rehearsals are done for the day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the kid's like, so what's going on? And, Gretel says, maybe the flag with the black spider makes everyone nervous. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really beautiful line.
0: Of how kids would not understand. Yeah,
1: like that innocence of youth.
0: She's only five.
1: No, I know. But, and also just the way she sees it is like this black spider. You know, like the mind making connections is a really interesting thing. Mm. But yes, yes, Gretel, that flag does make everyone nervous. Um. they get back and they see rolf rolf is now a fully fledged nazi uh he has no time for lisel and yeah they arrive back and we've got that great shot of captain von trapp just tearing up the, the flag. flag yeah i love that it's I, I, that i think is like a really like synonymous with this film mm-hmm. like you could watch and you know exactly what film it's from And he's having a conversation with Max about the state of affairs.
0: Yeah.
1: And he says to Max, like, Austria, there is no Austria. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, you know, good for him standing up and he's like, this isn't the place I know. And Max is having, like, an argument with him. Or not even an argument, just a disagreement. And again, the other thing that makes me really distrust Max is the great line where Von Trapp goes, sometimes... I don't think I know you. Yeah. And it's definitely hinting at a little bit more. Max does say that he wants Von Trapp to be cautious, but I still don't trust him.
0: Max, I'm going to go on a little rant about, because as a character who in real life is actually based on two people that they've just smushed into one person for this film, he was a... I think a priest who was the children's singing teacher and like did the arrangements for their songs and stuff. And then also one of the captain's friends is sort of like smushed together to be the same person in this version is Jewish. Like he is definitely written to be Jewish. I've read multiple articles about it to Mm -hmm. check because while I was watching it, I was like, this feels like, a lot of stereotyping.
1: Especially the whole, like, reliance or obsession this with obsession
0: money. Obsession with money and with other people's money and using other mm. people. It's not okay.
1: No, especially... especially
0: in a film
1: with the... about
0: how the Nazis are bad. It doesn't make any sense. The,
1: the, the, this is the thing is there's a lot of... And this is why the rise of Nazism got so bad is because there was so much anti-Semitism.
0: Mm. Yeah, it just makes no sense to have anti-Semitic rhetoric in a movie where your main characters are like these are bad guys we don't want anything to do with the Nazis they are destroying everything that is good but hey here's our Jewish character who is a massive stereotype it's like okay sure he does help them escape in the end he
1: does but it's a bit too little too late at that point I think more needs to be done to make him a good character like a good person that we trust Mm. We get the 17 reprise, which is a sweet moment between mother and daughter. And uh, this is where he's
0: like, don't worry, you'll be married in a few years.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Just enjoy being a kid for now. Yeah. And then the captain comes over. He wants a private moment and he's got a telegram that says he's being enlisted in the Navy. If he refuses, it, it will be fatal for all. So it's time to run. Mm hmm. And we're kind of, like this is very much like, it's very sudden, but that's what it probably would have been. Mm -hmm. You know, that one day you're living your best life and the next day, no, we've got to go. So we cut to night and they're pushing the car to avoid any noise.
0: And the horrible butler dobs them in.
1: Yeah, now I didn't realise this the first time. And you, you were like, yeah, the butler, the whole point of him staring at the window isn't to be like oh, this poor house, I hope he survives. It's because he's seeing this. He's like, oh, he's abandoning his duty. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he dobs him in and the Nazis are waiting and they ambush them. Yep. And he's like, oh, the car wouldn't start. Oh, okay, you, go sort the car out. And he just turns it on.
0: Yeah, straight away.
1: And at this point, Von Trapp uses the festival as an excuse that they're all going to perform, which makes Zeller permit it because he wants to show that nothing in Austria has changed. And then he says, but we'll escort you to make sure you get there in time. So every single time the captain's kind of got a you know a plan, mm. Herr Zeller, it's like tennis. He comes back and gets to the point where it's like they they've they've got no excuse now. They've got to they've just got to go with it. So we get the Doremi reprise. Yep. Which I really like having um, Von Trapp sing this moment as well. Like, it's quite nice that they've improvised it. And his addition to the song goes really well. But they also show all the shadows of the Nazis watching this, just so you know, like, they are in real danger. They can't escape.
0: Mm.
1: Then they get Edelweiss. And he's saying, like, he's singing this to Austria. And he wants them to know that no matter what happens there will still be an Austria, mm-hmm. which makes it even weirder that this song isn't synonymous with, with, you know, the country, but you know, it's, it's a nice moment. I think oh, it was a distraction. He, he struggles and he's, he's like overcome with the emotion. So his family join in and then the crowds join it, joins in. And I just thought the whole point of him singing, was like a distraction. Like, whilst well, he sings it. The family are going to get away, but they all come on stage as well. Mm. They get a huge, like, sounding ovation and, and Max says his goodbyes. You know, he's whispering and he's like, you know, goodbye. We, I think we can make this work. And he begins the encore. He says, let's, let's, let's hear from the Von Trapps and let's get, get an encore because this will be the last time they perform together for quite some time. And they get the so long reprise, which I love this sequence. I love how they make it um, look like an act that they're all running off one at a time, you know, and the audacity of using the so long farewell as they're like fleeing mm. but you've also got the line we fleetly fleet we fly,
0: we fleetly flee
1: we f- yeah that yeah we fleetly flee we fly again they're they're not even hiding the plan it's so clever mm. uh and then Max takes his time announcing the winners to give the Von Traps enough time. He introduces the person who came third. Is this yeah? Lovely, he does all the runners up. This lovely lady who comes on and keeps bowing. You know, she really is enjoying her moment in the sun, and he's not stopping her because he's like, "Yeah, keep keep taking a bow." Um, and the Von Traps win, but they're not there.
0: Oh, and then we get the best line delivery in this entire film, yep. which is from a random member of the Nazis yeah he he's the guy who runs out of the tunnel to say that they've gone but just the way that he delivers the line is like he hadn't been told until about two seconds before he runs out of that tunnel that he was in this film Yeah, because he runs out and he goes they're gone <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's
1: like the archbishop they forgot that they didn't hire this person so they got like somebody who works it really
0: is one it's of the like, security it's like a gaffer yeah. or something it like runs on the stage and it's like they're gone. It's i love like, it and weird. then
1: obviously all hell breaks loose mm-hmm. the von traps we know are in the abbey and the nazis go straight there because i guess they must know of maria's connections it must be very well established that von trap married a former nun mm-hmm. and his governess the Reverend Mother reveals... Well, it would be. He's much higher. Yeah. She
0: has married very well.
1: Yeah. So everyone, would be the talking point, like, <laughs> oh, you know, I should have taken that girl. That guy job.
0: married his babysitter,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it would be very well known. R- Reverend Mother says that there's no escaping now, all the borders are closed, so they're going to have to go over the hills on foot, and then they get hidden in, like, a weird graveyard bit
0: yes i think it's more memorial stones but yeah it's it's essentially a graveyard but they're
1: locked in and they're hiding behind this huge like memorial Mm. and you've obviously got like them hiding and really good like there's no noise and it's so atmospheric
0: Poor little Gretel is like, should we sing about our favourite things? And yeah. Maria's like, no, be quiet. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, oh, Do not talk. <laughs> bless her. But again, like, it's really good because she's really taken to heart this thing. It's like, no, not right now. But because it's so quiet, there's no music. There's just just these sound effects of, of the waiting. And it's so silent. Like, it's such a stressful scene.
0: Mm.
1: It, it It's quite terrifying. Like, if you don't know how this is going to end, like, you're genuinely scared and like you have the bit with the rattling of the the door and they're shining the lights it's scary yeah this this film about a singing family has taken a turn that i did not expect yeah <laughs> um and then they kind of go and everyone seems okay and they start sneaking off but Rolf is there
0: and yeah cuz he hears Lisa go <gasps>
1: Yeah, Liesl gasps when she sees him. So
0: he hides. Yes. And, and then we have this whole, like, man-to-man conflict thing, which is not in the stage Yeah, day. you said.
1: So there's this moment where, like, he's like, just calm. And all the family start leaving. And he's like, you're not going to shoot me. And he gets up to him he takes he's the like, gun. He's like,
0: you're just a boy, Ralph. You're just a boy. And he takes the gun off of him. And then he says... Don't forget, Rolf. You'll never be one of them. And then Rolf's like, "Yeah, I will." And alerts.
1: He's like, "They're here. They're here. The bomb traps are here."
0: In the stage show, Liesel steps out. Yeah, and Rolf sees her, and he is gonna call the people. And then he sees her, and he's like, "They're not here." And then he leaves.
1: i think i prefer it this way
0: yeah i'd rather all the nazis were just bad guys that's really. it I,
1: I i prefer i know that
0: don't design sympathetic nazis that's, that's it's not it like
1: i i i i know he's a kid but i like this that he's just like fully indoctr- indoctrinated indoctrinated mm. and that's scarier i think like it shows like this is how easy it is for people to fall for these ideals yeah uh, we get the nice bit with the Von Trapps drive off and the Nazis try <laughs> the
0: nuns have stolen their
1: engine yeah. parts <laughs> yeah they're like reverend mother I have sinned mm. and they have the car parts that's the last line in this this film mm. it's the last spoken bit of dialogue
0: nice love it which is
1: a choice I like it we end on a very funny kind of note and well we've like... got to
0: have something light there they've got to throw in one joke because the like... yeah Everything we've... we've just watched is so tense.
1: Yeah, we cut to the hills and the Von Traps flee as we get the climb every mountain reprise and uh, mm. happily ever after. Yep. You know, you don't know for sure, but...
0: We do. In real life, they walked we to the don't... train station and went to Italy.
1: Yeah, but... <laughs> you know, we, we don't know, but... It kind of feels Dumbo-esque. You know how we like Dumbo just ended? Mm. This also does feel like it's kind of just... Tension and very quickly well, over. This
0: is why I even started reading her actual biographies because I was like, "What actually did happen after that?" Their house was taken over by the Nazis and was used as a base. I can
1: imagine, yeah, and uh, that would have been a proper like, uh, "This is how dominant we are," and this is what happens, like it's a fear tactic.
0: Well, and Hitler, but stayed there multiple times, and they met him in a cafe apparently. Jeez, yeah. But again, like they weren't being arrested because they were Italian or Spanish—I can't remember which way around it was. They were but...
1: in Spain, yeah. So, who is your MVP?
0: Julie Andrews.
1: Oh yeah, I. We Julie will
0: never Andrews. watch a Julie Andrews film or musical where Julie Andrews will not be my MVP. Christopher no. Plummer was very good. I think he's brought a lot more heart to a yes. character who is so boring. <laughs>
1: he's
0: no, so boring. I
1: think. Liesl is also somebody that could be up there for an MVP, especially considering this was like her debut and she wasn't really thinking of acting. Mm. She does a very good job
0: mm-hmm. in
1: this. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Julie Andrews will always be the MVP because
0: we love her and she's, she's incredible.
1: There's a lot of best songs that we could have. Are we safe in agreement that we have the same skip song of Climb Every Mountain? yes what's your best song then Mm, that's a good question it's hard with this one i think yeah there's a there's a lot of possible best songs
0: i like 16 going on 17 i think it's just a nice song maria is hilarious You're going to be mad if I pick Lonely Goat Herd, because I think my favourite song no. from this is Lonely Goat Fantastic,
1: Herd. That's absolutely fun. I don't like the sequence, but the song is good. Mm-hmm. I think my my best song is Do Rainy. Nice. I just really like that. But If you know, your
0: skips, if Climb Every Mountain wasn't in this, what would your skip song be?
1: It would be Lonely Goat Herd, mostly because I would cut that sequence.
0: Hmm. Mine I, would be something good.
1: I mean that in itself is also pretty like meh because of the lighting of it.
0: It's also not in the stage show. Yeah, they wrote it for the um,
1: film. I feel like again you could accomplish the same with something good of just having them have a conversation without then a song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I'd probably say something good actually. Yeah, over. Lonely, Lonely guyhoods
0: just fun. It's nice to have a little. Fun it's a really,
1: fu- it's a fun, it's a really fun song. I just find the puppets quite jarring. <laughs> Which role do you want to play? Mm.
0: I guess Liesel.
1: You wouldn't want to play Maria? No. I can't sing like that. So, I can't sing at all. I know, but
0: that's how my brain works. It's like, realistically, and whose songs do I want to sing? I would want to sing 16, 17. 17, it's fun. I, I mean. Because then you get to join in with all the Maria's ones anyway.
1: I have one choice. Yep. I'm going to be Von Trapp.
0: Yeah, it's like, you can be a child, you can be Captain Von Trapp, or an Nazi. I'll
1: be Von Trapp, please yep. and thank you. <laughs> Uh, Before I give my star rating, which should be fairly obvious to anyone who's listened to this one, uh, we're just going to go over and talk about uh, feedback we had uh, on Twitter and Instagram for this one, which unsurprisingly is very, very popular. Uh, There's been a lot of really positive comments on this one. On Twitter, 6% of people said they weren't fans. 15% of people have said they've never seen it. Hmm. which is quite surprising. 24% of people said it's just okay, but 55% of people said they are fans. Uh, Boho Days said St. Wolfgang, where the opening scene was done, is beautiful and a tourist trap nightmare, but I kind of love it. And Spy Hearts, at Spy Hearts, said one of cinema's greatest musicals, which is hard to disagree with. Like, could you say a better musical off the top of your head? Mamma mia. <laughs> it's tough though, isn't it? Like, it really is. Could you say a better film musical than this?
0: Mamma mia. I'm not kidding. I didn't say that as a joke. I'm just right.
1: <laughs> and no, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. I, I think. Also,
0: I like My Fair Lady, but. I wish Marnie Nixon was playing the character and not just singing her.
1: But that's the thing is, I feel like there's less critique of this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Over on Instagram. We heard from quite a few people. E.G said it's my favourite movie ever it's got music, a beautiful setting, a love story, nuns and Nazis it kickstarted my love for musicals and history I'm now a secondary school history teacher and a very accomplished shower singer (laughs)
0: nice I (laughs) love that, same
1: (laughs) as are we Susie Q said I just love the whole storyline, in addition the vocals of every character were pure magic, I just am obsessed, especially with 16 going on 17, I can't help it We had a lot of positive feedback. And again, the poll, it shouldn't surprise you to say how popular this is. 5% of people said, I've never seen it. Nobody said they're not a fan on Instagram. Hmm. Instagram continues to be the more positive place, apparently. 7% of people saying it's okay. 88% of people saying they are fans. Hmm. And we, of course, heard from the newly engaged Elena. This was one of my all-time favourites to watch, even at age four. I was obsessed with Julie Andrews, her singing voice in particular, as I was also fond of the My Fair Lady original cast recording as a child. I've enjoyed watching several stage productions over the years, and I even have a programme from the production that starred Marie Osmond as Maria. Hmm, cool. I love the chemistry between Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews. I love how he hated making the film, but in the end grew to love it, and he's so obviously smitten by her throughout the entire process, even if you see behind-the-scenes footage. I have to say, the only part I enjoyed of the live film version were the characters portrayed by Audra MacDonald, who played M- the Mother Reverend, mm. Laura Benan- Benanti, who was the Baroness, and Christian Ball, who played Max. Yeah. It's I thought that the two leads were completely miscast, so I'm assuming this is uh, Vampire Beale. Yeah. Fun fact. Thought-
0: f- I actually thought he was okay. Yeah. He just played. The super boring...
1: He didn't... Yeah, he played...
0: There's nothing for you to do
1: with that character. He plays the musical's version as opposed to the film's yeah. version.
0: Carrie Andrews was weirdly and cast. She was a good singer, but not great actress.
1: Fun fact, Laura Benanti was Maria's standby or understudy in the Broadway revival that starred Rebecca Luca. Yes. Has, I mean, has this one had much success in the West End? Because mm-hmm. I can't really... I mean, it's not even. Some? It did
0: better as a tour.
1: Yeah, there's no, you don't even hear conversations about this returning no. to the West End or, or for touring, and it feels very weird. Like. Mm-hmm. What is your star rating for this one? Mm,
0: probably four and a half.
1: And what stops that half?
0: It's so long. I mean the fact that we've been recording for two and a half hours
1: at this point. Yeah, like we've nearly been talking about this film for an hour shorter than it actually is. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's without us singing
0: all the songs. Like,
1: so that's that's your sole like criticism. Is it's mm. too long for you? Too
0: long. There are like you say, removable scenes.
1: But I still think I give it five stars because of how beautifully it's shot. Yeah. How great the majority of the songs are. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, there are a few that I would cut, but I would say that about other musicals where I could potentially look to trim the fat. Mm. I I do think this is a perfect movie musical. You know, yeah, I
0: think it's a very, very good adaptation musical.
1: Yeah, and I think really they'd be smarter to make a few of these changes to the like overall production. Yeah. Yeah, five stars for me. One of the best movie musicals ever and a very fitting way to celebrate turning three. Mm. Going on four. What are we going to talk about next week?
0: Next week, we are very excitingly going to get to see Newsies in London.
1: Yes, we couldn't see it uh, in December, but we are going to see it in April. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very excited to talk about Newsies. I know a lot of people have been very positive about it online and you know even students i teach have said it and are crazy about how good this is
0: i'm excited to see what they mean when they say
1: immersive immersive because yeah.
0: all of the immersive shows that i've seen have done immersion differently and i always think that's cool yeah so i'm interested to see what that is
1: yeah the week after is phantom week Yes, indeed. Are you going to tell me what we're covering for Phantom Week at last? Nope. Boom. Hold your breath. (laughs) I'm very excited nonetheless. Is that a reference? No. Is that no reference there? Like,
0: okay. Mm, Hold your kidneys.
1: Uh, Okay. That's not going to help if I don't know it. Mm -hmm. Then we will finally, the meme of 2023, we will finally cover 13 on Netflix. Yes. At the start of May. And then, hopefully, we should be going to Lady in the Tramp. Before we move on to some other exciting musicals on the horizon.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: As always, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram, at It's a Musical Pod, and let us know your thoughts on Sound of Music. Elena, do you finally get your fiancé to watch it? Does he like it? I'm desperate to know.
0: Hmm.
1: Or you can tell us your thoughts on any of the upcoming uh, features. You can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like what we do, you can uh, leave us a review on all of those platforms or head to podchaser.com and tell the world why you love It's a Musical Podcast. But until next week, where we will see you same bat place, same bat channel.
0: Have a magical musical day.